Hey guys, how you doing out there tonight? Welcome back to another edition of Fanholes Toku Thursdays. We appreciate you coming back and listening to us whenever we do these shows. I know some of you might be a little confused. If you are a follower of Common Rider, you're fine. But if you're not really in the loop, you're like, hey guys, you ended Common Rider Gaim like the last show. You you did like the season finale and all that, series finale. What are you guys doing? Well, as it happens to be, there are a couple more things coming out with Common Rider Gaim, and this is one of them. We talked about this a long time ago, but basically whenever a new show starts with Kamen Rider, they kind of do a passing of the torch movie. And that's what we have tonight. We're going to be doing a crossover movie that came out, like technically before Kamen Rider, Gaiman was actually completely over, but you know, it is what it is. But it is called Kamen Rider X Kamen Rider Drive and Gaiman Movie War Full Throttle. That's a mouthful. But before we get into this, I can't talk about this on my own. First person I want to let you guys know about, we got two people on the show tonight. Coming back, make a return to book in his appearance on the Kamen Rider Wizard and Gaim crossover movie is our good friend Luke Giaconetti. Thank you for coming back to us, sir. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. I was just thinking exactly what you just said. I was on for Wizard and Gaim, and now I'm on for Gaim and Drive, so I'm the Alpha and the Omega of your Kamen Rider Gaim coverage. <laughs> Indeed, we, we were definitely wanting you to be back on the show. We're glad you took time out to do it. And even though we're so happy to have Luke back, I can't do this without my partner in crime or my partner in Gime. <laughs> uh, I'll leave now. Let's go ahead and give a shout out, Derek. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I am, to make a long story short, I'm a space god now. That's, that's, that's all there is to it. That is what it is. I'll, I'll give a little bit of a preamble real quick, and then we'll go right into the synopsis. Basically, like I said, this is what they've been doing for a long time with the Heisei era. They, they do these movies where they give you a a story with the current common writer and you get your nice little story with him and then halfway through it they give you pretty much a teaser for the new common writer show coming out and it, they usually team up they usually get together and like we said when you listen to wizarding guy they usually give a little bit of shine to the new guy make him look cool to make people want to really get into him but also sadly it's usually the current common writer's last hurrah the last time you get to see him be an integral part of a storyline so that's kind of sad, but I enjoyed this movie, so we're just going to jump in and talk about it. For the beginning, what do you guys think of the beginning where we start off on Planet Overlord, Planet Invest? We have Coda and Mai, and it looks very Final Fantasy and stuff. It's a, it's a very cold opening. I thought it was cool. Like I, I was kind of looking forward to actually seeing the actual planet, you know, like because I think previously it's not like you had much of an idea of what you know, basically what it meant for Coda and Mai to be like these sort of overlord gods in space. You know, they just kind of went to the planet and it turned green and they, they brought basically, you know, all of the Helheim forest with them. But I mean, it, it kind of looks surprisingly peaceful. Do you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it looks like it's actually, you know, somewhat of a happy existence. I mean, you, you get the idea Helheim taking over is kind of like using the Genesis device. It's not really happy for anybody who's currently living there but once 
life is established. I mean, it, it does kind of look pretty peaceful per se. But of course, like you said, it's it's this quick cold opening and, you know, not two seconds into it, they are under attack, you know, and it's like, you know, Mai's already dodging, you know, cannon fire and, you know, shrapnel and all this kind of stuff going on. And, and there's this big, cool fight sequence, which, you know, given the scope of the planet, I thought looked really, really awesome. Yeah, yeah. They, they throw you in, they throw you in real, you said a real cold open, but I like it because there's an economy of time here, you know, there's especially with the Gaim portions, and we saw this with the wizard portions when we did that, they kind of throw you into it without any context because they've assuming, yeah. they're assuming that you've seen Gaim and that you know the ending, and so you're familiar with these characters, so you don't need an introduction to them. So it's like, all right, remember that happy ending? Forget all that because now that planet's under attack. And I, and I did like it. I, one of the things I really liked, and I watched, I think I watched, I don't remember which dub I watched, but the, the fan sub I was watching, when Megahex, when he first comes down and starts fighting with Coda, he, when he's doing that, you know, when he's first analyzing the language, they subtitle it. But they just subtitle yeah. it with gibberish. So I thought that was funny. Yeah, it's like, like, well, we know like speaking gibberish. That's kind of like a throwback to the overlords. Yeah. Right. So that, that, I thought, that I thought was really neat. And then he absorbs the language straight out of Coda. And it's like, okay, well, that, it's, it's very quickly established. All right, this guy Megahex is like a Borg. Except it's a board put through the filter of common riders. So instead of it being ship to ship combat, I have to kick your ass in person to absorb you because that's how I roll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the way we do things here. But yeah, yeah that, basically, that is the beginning of the movie. Mega Hex does come down. Coda and him fight. Not only that, but while Coda does do a good showing for himself, he is an overlord after all. Mega Hex is kind of uh, taking his wallet. He's uh, doing some wallet taking today, and he he decides to take off after he learns of Earth from Coda. He's like, "Oh, Earth looks even better. Fuck this place. I'm gone." So he, <laughs> <laughs> they actually have restaurants there. You guys got like flo floating fucking islands. I don't like this place. So he uh, jumps through a space portal. Coda, even though he is the you know god of this planet, he also of course still loves Earth. So he chases after him and he goes through this portal. We then flash to Zawame, and it's very interesting. Life is going on. You know, after Yggdrasil and the end mess and everything, you have Takatora pretty much cleaning up the mess he helped create. You have Michi being sad. Uh, you know, the... Uh, the... <laughs> I mean, that's all I get for the no, first few minutes. It's, just it's like... a, there, I defy you to find a better description of, of what's going on than Michi being sad, because that pretty much describes it <laughs> to a T. Yeah. I had at one point, you know. Yeah, I had a sad. Then we have the uh, Charmit gang, and we see also that Zach is okay. He's not dead. We have, of course, you know, Oren and Chip, you know, just chilling out and stuff. But we even have a cute little scene where Oren is giving Badu like some shit for his fruit treats. They're not, they're not to to his standards. I thought that was kind of a cute little moment. <laughs> well, I thought that was funny because it reminded me of we caught up on the Wizarding uh, Wizarding guy, and we caught up with the crew, including the the owner of of the donut cart. So we had a little with with the real with the secondary characters like that and something in something cute involving food. So I thought that was a a nice uh, parallel for me. Yeah. So we have all this going on, but then big ass blue ball appears in the uh, air, and everybody's like, you know, oh, what's that? And here's where we here's where shit kind of gets real. Coda is pretty much doing a DBZ trying to hold back a giant spirit bomb, but it's not really working out too good for him. And he eventually takes the blast. And he turns into Coda. He was in his Kiwami arms form previously. This gives Mega Hex the opportunity to finish him off. He has these two big, huge, like, 
metal blades that he he can turn his hands into. And he pretty much just stabs Coda through. Coda turns into fairy dust, and you know everybody around is like, "What the hell?" And then we have our opening. In, in case you're not familiar with these crossover movies, each portion has its own title. And this is Common Rider Gaim Advanced to the Last Stage. And shit don't look good. <laughs> I thought like what, what Luke said before was apt in terms of Mega Hex because the the subtitle that I watched, you know, they, they definitely are very reminiscent of the Borg. They talk about assimilation, and he even tells Coda when he's on the Overlord planet, he says resistance is futile. You know, so you're like, oh well yeah, these are these are clearly you know, Borg-like entities and stuff like that. The other thing it kind of reminded me of, because there's a clash of, like, plants and and sort of technology, is I, I don't know if you guys have ever read the, the Charles Soule-like run of Swamp Thing towards the end of the New 52, but they, you know, bring in this element of, you know, Swamp Thing works for the green, you know, so he's an right. elemental, and, you know, they've got other kind of elemental-based people, whether it's, you know, Animal Man and his daughter, you know, being avatars of the red, or, you know, Arcane being an avatar of the rot, and, you know, they've got all these different avatars for these elemental-based, you know, defenders, basically, and what ends up happening is, like, a former elemental from the green who's cast out becomes an avatar of metal basically and it's like she's basically an avatar for you know technology on you know the dc earth or whatever and so like she's basically like you know the the queen of you know she's kind of like a queen borg or whatever she she basically her name was lady weeds and she becomes the machine queen and like in in that sense like i also kind of thought of that as well because you've got these moments of you know, the the kind of, I don't know, it's like an anti-life wave, but instead it's kind of like a digital anti-life wave right. that's yeah. coming out from Mega Hex and, like, enveloping all these poor bastards that happen to be caught in the wave and everything. And they basically, it looks like they turn into data. You know, it looks like mm -hmm. you're playing a yeah. video game when somebody gets, you know, bumped off on, like, Mario or something, and, and these human beings turn into, like, you know, digital data as the wave, like, yeah. sweeps like over. Or, like, somebody dies. That. Yeah, 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 and like, you know, and, and I guess, I guess you know, the, the elephant in the room is, yeah, Coda gets his ass whooped, but I guess if he didn't get his ass whooped, like, you wouldn't have a story, basically. So, and, and right. the, the thing that's nice about this, though, is that, I mean, he puts up a good fight at the beginning, but he does get that whole, you know, my Omega Beams do not work, like, what? <laughs> you know, because he, he does his whole, you know, he busts out the, the DJ gun, and that doesn't do anything. And then he does, like, this big common Rider kick squash move, and he thinks he's blown up Mega Hex and defeated him. But then, all of a sudden, Mega Hex is behind him, tapping him on the shoulder. He's like, uh-uh, you know, and, and that's when he does that thing where he lifts him up into the sky and drops him and stabs him through and, and all that kind of stuff. And... It, it's to me it, it's a good moment because it's like when coda is defeated it's like the entire world just stops you know because everybody it's like everything's slow-mo and you cut to like all the supporting cast and it's like i mean i suppose you could make fun of it but i mean it, it's played seriously everything's yeah. the 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 kind of quick fade cuts between everybody's face and everybody's face their jaw has just dropped because they're like oh shit like this is this is fucking serious. Like this guy was super powerful and he was our greatest defender. And now he's just got his ass kicked by this mega hex guy. Like what, what are we going to do now? So, I mean, at least they 
they treated it with some kind of you know seriousness and it had some weight to it like it, right. it wasn't just like oh whoops you know he got electrocuted by a manhole cover who cares you know like it was yeah, like least, it was actually it was actually kind of kind of heavy and stuff at least he didn't the cut way... the kid off and he was like let's fight <laughs> <laughs> well the thing with the way that the way that guy ends and where coda is at the end of it they almost have to do that because uh, again i was comparing this a lot to wizarding guy and in the wizard section of Wizarding Guy, you know, Wizard is, is, he's front and center on that. Because at the end of his series, yeah, he's wandering, he's on the road, but he's relatively still the same. Whereas Coda has clearly changed. He's not the same guy anymore. He's not in the same position that, that we were, you know, at the beginning of the series. So taking him out is a little weird because that means that Gaim, per se, doesn't really fight that much in the Gaim section. But as Gaim had more riders in it than, than say, Wizard, it, it's okay because there, there's the other Gaim characters are there, so we get to see their struggle. When Derek was talking about the green itself, you even get to see Coda use his, like, plant powers that he acquired by becoming, like, an overlord. Yep, yeah, that's when he used, uh, he, he used the bind spell from Wizard that he obviously learned. <laughs> He's always learning. He's always learning. It's a, it's a good trick, man. It's a good trick. Haruto um, taught him well. Uh, <laughs> To, to what you said, though, Luke, Michi, uh, of course, he's really the only guy left on the planet with a with a Sengoku driver. And, of course, he wants to jump in and help because he's kind of pissed off at Koda. He even does the whole, like, Koda-san! You know, saying, no! So he jumps in to fight Mega Hex, and it's going okay. He's doing actually not bad for himself. I'm pretty proud of the little kid. Way to go. Way to stop being sad and start getting real. Then something bad happens. Because of Mega Hex being able to absorb data and stuff, it's assumed that when he was doing his wave of absorption, they got information. One of them is that they are able to bring back Ryoma Sengoku. And the thing about that is, you know, with that, there is the, the problem that we have with how to deal with him yeah but i mean that 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 was a surprise i did i did not see that coming and you know derpy i'll, I'll let you discuss his his attire tony because you were <laughs> you were a little hot about that before we recorded but the one thing i do want to mention and during the attack by mega hex there there was a bunch of girls in jorts and i, I thought derek that might appease him enough i know it's not hot pants but they were some short jorts you know, you, you so. know what I, you know what I was thinking. I was thinking like that. I'm like, dude, all these extras have all like dyed their hair red. Like, so I was like, I was like, if it was just one girl who did it and she looked nice in the short shorts or whatever, then I was like, that'd be kind of cool. But it looked like all those extras had the same idea. Like, they're like, I'm gonna be a movie star, <laughs> and the way I get to be a movie star is to dye my hair red. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Now you all have like. Your hair dyed and stuff. I was gonna so say, like, you yeah, all, you all look alike. So usually, but. yeah, usually the Japanese girls want to look American, bleach their hair and go blonde rather than red. So maybe they all had the same contrarian thought, you know? Yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, did, I did, I did notice that while they were all like scurrying away from the the wave or whatever. You know, you know what I, I think is worth mentioning, and and maybe Luke hasn't seen this, but I, I think it'll come up one more time as we discuss this. But in regards to Mecha Rioma, I guess. I'll call him, you know, that he gets brought back. And this is a character that was killed in the in the regular series. And they, they had to figure out a way for him to make a comeback. And in this way, it's through 
the you know mega hex like they absorbed information and they've s- sort of revived him through data basically and so he's there to you know fight with Michi and everything like that but one of the previous things we covered in terms of Gaim after the the final arc was the final stage it was you know a theatrical stage show and of course they also had to figure out ways to sort of bring the original cast back even though those characters were no longer alive. So it's like there's similar sort of tropes in this where, you know, obviously the two don't really interconnect. They're not in continuity with one another, but they do have similar kind of themes and tropes in how they try to, you know, restore, you know, deceased characters to the storyline, you know, and and that, you know, basically when, when characters are, resuscitated they're working for the bad guy you know because the bad guy has has brought them back whether it's by data or whether it's by some kind of supernatural you know force or something like that as far as ryoma mecha ryoma as luke stated i was not pleased with his appearance first of all (laughs) let's just let's just go from the neck down he no longer wears a lab coat he wears a white short white dress shirt that's open and he wears skinny jeans thanks and then the worst thing is his face. He has this apparatus over his mouth. And again, I know what they're trying to go for as far as the look. He was supposed to look intimidating, like he's like some kind of, I don't know, maybe ninja looking character or something. I don't know. But it just doesn't look good. It looks out of place. It looks bulky. That's the biggest thing. Graham is a very thin actor. And this big appliance on his face, you know. I, I was reminded of like The Force Awakens when Poe Dameron's talking to like, you know, Kylo Ren is like, you know, it's hard to hear you with the the apparatus, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I just don't like the way it looks. But he does have something going for him though. He is no longer just simply Duke. He is common rider Dragon Energy Arms Duke. And Dragon, the Dragon Lock Seed form looks badass. It is, it is a pretty cool fucking suit. I, I think it's one of my favorites. Cool. I was going to ask because clearly you like it because it's on your avatar tonight. So <laughs> I figured I figured that would be one of your favorite things from this this film and stuff. So I mean, it does look kind of cool. I mean, it was one of those things where you're like, oh, it, it's kind of amalgamating different villain type suits we've seen on previous previous episodes and or specials and shows and stuff like that. But you know, I guess luckily he doesn't have that cumbersome mecha thing when he transforms on his can you imagine if he had that like <laughs> tire tub or whatever that is like on his his face after he transformed like that would be well, pretty horrendous i mean the thing with me is when he when he showed up with the thing on his face i immediately thought well is 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 this a different actor and they're trying to hide his face but it but it wasn't i mean it's the, it's the same guy and it's enough of his face showing that it wouldn't even hide it because you see that sometimes where if they can't get the actor, they'll they'll have them appear fully transformed or cover their face up or do something like that. But so I'm, I'm not yeah. really sure. Whatever they were going for, I don't think they really achieved. Because if they were trying to make them like a cyber ninja, there were better ways to do that. It, I think it would have been <laughs> yeah. more intimidating to have him just show up looking like, like Ryoma, you know? That would have been intimidating yeah. in and of itself in the context that, you know, it's like, it'd be like uh, Emil from Robocop. You're dead! We killed you! You know, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, hey, this was just, something. Some things work, some things don't. I guess. Yeah, this was just it. Kind of screamed of Rayon was back, and now he's cool. Except he's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, he does transform into the uh, Dragon Energy, and not only that, but thanks to the help of the Mega Hex, he summons three or four of the Kurokage troopers, which I thought that's kind of cool. I mean, you know, they they have no names; they're just faceless, you know, stormtroopers. So 
making them like just pop out of nowhere totally works. And they do start to kind of blade to smack down on poor Mitchie, especially Ryoma. It's just Dragon Energy is too powerful for him, and he eventually has to pull a fast one and blast a ledge in front of Ryoma just so he gets a puff of smoke so he can run away. He does grab something, though, before he leaves. So, yeah, now we get to see kind of a homecoming, if you will. Mitchie is brought back to the uh, Gaim garage, and he's being treated by his brother, Takatora, which only makes sense because after Mitchie tried to kill Takatora, he actually, you know, tried to help him get better. Mitchie, so weird, tried to kill his brother. Anyway, but yeah, he has a kind of a vision as he's sleeping. He sees Mai, and Mai is kind of doing that thing where she phases in and out, and she's, you know, telling him, you know, how, like, you know, she, she's doing a little bit of uh, exposition, and she's also, like, trying to get him to, you know, uh, get it, you know, trying to think of the right word, pumped up to fight. Maybe it's just me, but I, I just think of this as the my speaks to you in sexy voice scene, because that's, that's basically <laughs> oh, yeah. that's basically how I take that, you know? It's like, it's, and, and it's something that they, they made fun of her for on all, like, the, the, the cast reunions or whatever when they're talking about it, because, you know, everybody apparently did their own little interpretations of, of that kind of dialogue and stuff. So I, that, that partly was going through my mind, but I also was kind of like, yeah, but she sounds, I mean, she, she does sound, you know, compelling, like, you know, obviously, you know, it's important, but there, there is that layer to it where obviously like, you know, she, she does kind of sound super sexy too. So you're like, of course I'm going to do what you say, baby, you know, like that, (laughs) that kind of thing. So (laughs) why wouldn't I, but yeah, he does wake up after his, his sexy time. Even the second time is kind of boring. He, you know, talks to the other beat writers and he guides them to where he last saw Mai and his vision. And there now is a Helheim fruit. And, you know, it's like, well, what? And then Mitchie is also like, hold on, it gets better. He uh, goes and gets out of his backpack. What he grabbed was a war, uh, Sengoku driver off one of the Kurokage troopers. So he gives it to our good buddy Takatora. Takatora picks the fruit. Which, you know, good thing he didn't eat it. And it turns into a melon lock seed. So, in essence, if you're a fan of Takatora, homeboy's back. Zangetsu is back in the mix. Yeah, Oren was pretty excited about that. He's like, glorious <laughs> melon warrior has returned! You know, he's all <laughs> super excited. I'm glad you got you, you explained where the Sengoku driver came from, because I missed that. I missed that completely. That he got it off the trooper, because oh. that's one of my notes. Like, where the hell did the other Sengoku driver come from? Because they said that. They said, oh, he's the last one with one now. And I'm like, well, where'd this one come from? That's all we could be. You just had another one in your bag there. But that makes a lot more sense. So, Yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to, watch, you have to watch it, but he definitely grabs something when he's running away from uh, Ryoma. So, yeah, it's, it's quick. Yeah, they even have, like, the, the kind of 80s action movie thing where, you know, Takator's holding the Luxie and is like, you know, tomorrow we're going to kick some ass, fade to black. The Kirishima brothers are walking. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't look like that. The Kirishima brothers are walking towards uh, the general location of where Mega Hex is. They're just basically walking to look badass. And uh, Ryoma does show up. He uh, appears and he's like, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to fight. And Michi wants to help, of course. But Takator is like, no, this is me. You go save Mai. You know, you know where she is. Go find her and rescue her. And I got to say, the, the Kamen Rider Duke Dragon energy and Zangetsu battle, pretty badass. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was cool. It was really cool. I, I, yeah, this, this was this was pretty crazy. And, and and I like that, you know, it's one of those things where you make the bad guy look tough, even though his weapon's a bow and arrow. You know? It's, uh, <laughs> it's, I, call, I call that the, that's, that's the fellowship of the ring problem, you know? 
No, I, I enjoyed it quite a lot. I thought they did a good job of choreographing. I thought it did a good job of cutting between that and following Mitchie as he's going and, uh, and, and, and trying to get my, and that was what really piqued my interest because, you know, he's going and, and he, all these foot soldiers show up and then you look and it's like, Hey, wait a minute. These are Royd moots. It's like, that's the wrong show. <laughs> you know, well, he even he even he even comments like, "What what the hell are these? These aren't yeah, the the best. Like yeah. like like what are these exactly?" So yeah, so I, I thought that was cool and it was subtle because it doesn't it you know again if you, if you're not really paying attention you're not going to think about it but it's like wait a minute that's he's not supposed to be fighting them they're not in in Zawame City you know so I thought that I yeah. thought that was nice as I said the whole scene I think works really well from that standpoint yeah and and Mitchy does get a cool a couple of cool moments where. He's being restrained by like energy bands, and he has to like you know fight through it and use his like you know magnum blast to free Mai, and and he even gets a nice little moment where Mai looks up at him and you know she's like you know for the first time in a long time she looks at him like a friend. She's like you know Mitchie, you sent me you know instead of like you're fucking nutballs. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so. Well, I, I I think this is this is that moment where I mean you know people can argue and yell about it if if they think it's earned or not, but I mean his redemption arc is is really fully realized at this point because he and 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 the way he says it too is is he's he's a really good actor I think and and like I really enjoyed the way he says the line like he he doesn't just say I've saved you like whoo he, <laughs> he he has the line where he says thank god I've done it this time like I made it in time this time because that that just shows like you you know if you watched the series you've got all this backstory to that one line where it's like, you know, you, you, you revisit his, his pain and, and crippling emotional, like sterilization when he, he lost her that first time and she died and he just crumpled over. Like, you know, he was, he was just a baby and stuff. And, and in this case, he's like, Oh, thank God. I, I did not, you know, I've, I've actually saved her, you know, and, and, and I've made it in time. And, and the exchange they have, like you said, it's, it's, it's kind of heartfelt and, and you feel like he's sort of, you know, it, it, you know, if, if he's not fully redeemed, I mean, he's certainly on a, on a much, much better path than he ever was before, you know? So I, I I kind of took it as the full realization of, of Mitchie's redemption that he is again, you know, part of the good guy crew, you know, and, and, and that he's, he's made up for some things that he's, he's attempted to do in the past. Yeah. It, it was, it was a good moment. It definitely for everybody, like including myself, you know, who called him asshole Mitchy or, you know, whatever. He, he definitely, he, he earned this. He, he did the, like I said, the acting was really good. And you, you got a feeling that like, yeah, he's back on the side of angels as they like to say in the comics. With that done, we go back to Takator fighting the dragon energy Duke Again, a great battle, and finally it ends with him facing off samurai style. Got to do it, yeah. Got to do oh, it. Yeah. I mean, especially in Gaim, a series so, you know, involved, so informed by the Sengoku period. You got to have them these stare down and then run right at each other with the swords. <laughs> exactly, and exactly what they do: two or three big slashes, like with special effects and everything. And you even have that tease. Takator takes a knee, and you're like, "Oh, you just got your power back." Nope. He ran Duke through with his sword. It's, it's even kind of sticking out. It's pretty graphic for a kid's uh, movie. No it's, blood. it's one of those things where, you know, they, they both scored the hits, and then he fought, he Takatora falls to one knee. And then it's like, as, you know, Duke's looking at him, that's when he stabs him. So it's like, dude, that, <laughs> there's no honor in that, but it's like, you know, that's <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty awesome. I got to admit, that was that was a fist pumper for me. 
Like, this is for your shitty face mask. But, uh... <laughs> but, yes, Ryoba is defeated. He uh, turns back into his human form. Well, human megahex robot form, whatever you want to call it. And due to the grievous nature of his injuries, he gets his moment of redemption because his stupid fucking face mask falls off. Thank you. So he gets to do a little bit of acting. You know, he's uh, he's doing the kind of villain thing, you know. Like, you may have defeated me, but you'll never destroy Megahex, you know, resistance is futile, blah, blah, blah. His eye blows out, he has, like, a Terminator eye and stuff, and he finally goes down. And after this, Tartor picks up the Genesis driver that Duke had. Guy's getting upgrades all over the place today. Hooks back up with Michi and Mai, and he uh, gets another lock seed from Michi, because his was, like, damaged in the fight. And now he, he's back to being Zangetsu Shin, the, the, the powered version of Zangetsu. Megahex ain't happy about this. <laughs> He comes in, and Mayhex has already been shown to be incredibly powerful. But when he beat Koda, he absorbed the Kiwami Loxy. So things aren't looking good. He reminds me a bit of, I'm sorry to cut in here, when he's got the no, Loxy in his chest, you know what? He reminds me almost of Metallo, you know? Yeah. Because Metallo yeah. has the hunk of kryptonite in his chest, and then... During, like, what was it, New Krypton, he had multiple pieces of kryptonite in his chest and he could bring them all out. But just seeing, like, the throbbing power source inside his chest like that made me think of Metal. Also made me think, of course, of Ryan Steele from VR Troopers. When he needed an upgrade, his heart would start spinning around <laughs> and he'd get the power punch, you know, to take out whichever uh, cyborg he was fighting that week. Yeah, that, that may be a little yeah. more, uh, you know, your mileage may vary on that last one. Yeah, there, there is a scene in this that I, I kind of question, though. I understand why it was done. But it's still kind of a head-scratcher. The brothers are fighting against Mega Hex, and they're doing average. He, they're not really kicking his ass. But at one point, Takator decides that he wants to employ his New Japan wrestling knowledge and start wrestling around with Mega Hex and try to keep him at bay. And then he starts yelling at Michi to shoot him, take the shot, you know, take the shot. And Michi, of course, is doing the brotherly thing of, like, I've already killed you once. Do you really want me to do this again? And... He does. And you're like, you know, oh, this is a heartbreaking moment. And and Takatora does like, you know, take some take, you know, take some damage. He's he's beat up. He's out of his writer form. But the thing about it is, and I understand that they couldn't destroy Mega Hex this early, but he's just like not even phased. He's just like, okay. But there is a reason for this. That's why I'm saying I just don't understand the execution. I understand the reasoning. The reason Takatora was doing this, he actually wasn't trying to sacrifice himself. He managed to pull the Kiwami Arms Lockseed from Mega Hex. And he's holding it, and they're like, I don't know what we're going to do with this, but at least we got this out of him. He's not as powerful as he was. Fortunately, Mega Hex decides to do like the mother brain, you know, mouth blast she does in Super Metroid to kill them all. And they all put their hands on the Lockseed as they're like reeling from this massive power blast. And with their powers combined, they form Captain Planet. I mean, they form Coda. <laughs> Captain Coda, he's got white hair. He's wearing a car radiator. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> he's a bleach blonde. Back to zero. Sorry, Coda. I just hate your Overlord outfit. I'm sorry. <laughs> he does return, and you know he's back better than ever. He turns back into Kiwami arms, and what he couldn't do alone is pretty cool with the help of Michi and Takatora. They, they form their modes. Mai's even back to her, her blonde-haired self. And a couple of good attacks and a triple rider kick ends the threat of Mega Hex for about three seconds. Yeah. That, that, that not, I mean, 
it did it in a good way. I'm not complaining about it, but didn't that just take the shit out of your sails when like he just pops right back up yeah. behind him in a like upgrade? <laughs> right, and and then and and it's like okay, so triple squash rider kick. It's like this big big finish. And you're like okay, that's the end of that threat. Doot 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 doot. <laughs> well, the the way they sort of explain it is they they did end that one threat, but now it's like they've got 50 billion copies of Mega Hex, so it, it was like one of those things where you essentially. You know, you 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 killed a Borg, but you didn't kill all the Borg. Do you know? Like, it, it's kind of like finding out. You know, when when you fight, say, like the, an Imperiex drone in our worlds at war, and it's like, dude, it took the whole Justice League to beat up one drone, and it's like, guess what? Now there's like five hundred of them, and yeah. you're just like, oh yeah. crap! Like, what are we gonna do now? Like that kind of thing. It might be interesting to note that this is technically, I believe, this is the only time that. Mai and Takatora have actually been on screen together this entire run, like even on the TV series. Like, I don't think they've actually ever really met, per se, you know, like had any scenes together. I, I would like to argue that, but I think you're right. Yeah, so I just thought that was kind of, I mean, you know, I just thought it was kind of interesting because I don't, I don't think Mai's ever really talked to Takatora or had a scene with Takatora or anything like that. So in this instance where she kind of hovers over both Michi and Takatora and, and attempts to protect them, you know, it's like that's, and they actually, you know, have some interactions together. You're like, oh, hey, that's that's interesting. Like, that's something we've never actually seen before in, in Gaim. Yeah, I would like to say this is also the first time that Koda and the, both Kirishima brothers fight together. But, you know, there would have been that scene where, like, you know, Takatora was like, what, you don't remember all the movies where me and Mitchie just kind of wander in and help out? Come on. <laughs> it's our thing. We come into movies. We help out. That's what we do. You come into movies, they go, shh, don't tell anybody. We're brothers. Come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also good guys in this one, even though we're kind of bad guys in like the current <laughs> plot line. Just roll. Just roll with it. Just roll with it. Just roll with it, yeah. But yeah, like I said, Mega Hex just, you know, honestly, Luke, I was going to bring it up, but you did it much better than I did. Megahex is basically a board, and when he comes yeah. back, he's not even just Megahex, he's an upgraded form of Megahex, and that's not good. I mean, as Derek said, he makes, like, at least 20 or 30 clones of himself, and they just all fly off to do whatever evil they're going to do to take over the world. And basically, we're left with Koda and the uh, Kirishima brothers and Mai pretty much just looking up at the sky like, fuck, you know. It's like, it's like the end of Gamera 3, you know, it's the incomplete struggle, basically, you know. Yeah, it's like yeah, well, we uh, it's like well that didn't go so well. Let's go watch another story for <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to these guys. I I gotta admit, like this is this is certainly like a, a good thing to kickstart you into like a film. You know, like this this first half is is very action packed and fast paced and kind of always has you riding on the edge of your seat. And and in between all that, it does kind of deliver these kind of little mini epilogues or, or puts little caps on things for longtime fans of the series too. Like they kind of throw those in there on top of just giving you like a breakneck paced action kind of piece for these characters. So yeah. I, I really, I enjoyed it. And, and at that point, I, I think the, the way it's structured, like you definitely at, at moving on into this next portion, the, the drive portion, I'm like, you certainly take a breath at that point where you're like, you, you were holding your breath for like the last 34 minutes. And now you're finally like, ah, okay, what's, what's <laughs> going on next? You know? Yeah. 
Well, they, and, and again, oh. the, the interesting, just kind of the, the, again, to compare and contrast with Wizard and Gaim, is that the Wizard section of Wizard and Gaim was much more of, a, of an actual kind of epilogue to Wizard. It really kind of put a capstone on a lot of the kind of dangling, not dangling uh, plot threads so much as dangling character arcs from the end of the Wizard series involving Haruto and, you know, some of the other characters. And, and then it just ends with, with Beast being, you know, grabbed. And so it's like, okay, it, and it's a new adventure. Whereas here, we don't get as much of the closure on Gaim, I think, because Gaim had a fairly strong ending to begin with insofar as, you know, and, you know, and we're done, you know, and then they just kept making new movies anyway. <laughs> so I, I said it, 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 fit, it fits the show to have it like this and to have it be, like I said, the incomplete struggle, the, the non-ending where it's like, oh, you've defeated me now, but you'll never defeat my next form and to move on and, and to just put that aside and say, well... It's like, there's some bad stuff going on in Zawame City. Let's see what's going on elsewhere. Yeah. I, I think also that they note that in most of these team-up movies, there is usually the notion that, you know, Gaim does poke his head into some of the last episodes of Wizard. But in the case of this, it's not like Drive just came by and made a you know, wham-bam, thank you ma'am cameo at the end of Gaim. Like, Gaim had their ending... To themselves and and you know that's the, a little different from from the I guess traditional formula of these Heisei pieces like usually there's some brief introduction to the new writer as right. you're you're sort of outgoing with with the series and stuff and like that we got yeah, that yeah, with drive with, with go well ghost makes an appearance at the very end of drive so it, that that continued so you're right Gaim was a little atypical in that respect and that Drive didn't make a camp, you know, get introduced as an extended cameo at one of the later episodes of Gun. But again, the, the, and the tone of the two shows are so different from each other that I think that's probably for the best. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's not, it's not a complaint as much as yeah. we just sort of pointing out, like, that, that they were kind of interdependent, you know, or independent of, of one another so yeah. much, you know, that, that it, it probably would have felt forced or tacked right. on. You know. it, it, I can tell you that it felt forced with Ghost when they introduced Ghost in Drive. Because yeah. Because it kind of yeah. shows up and it's like, okay, that has nothing to do with anything. At yeah. least in Wizard, they had the excuse of it being a big reunion with a bunch of different common Riders all together. Yeah. And so Gaim is introduced and it's like, oh, he must be a common Rider we don't know yet. And so that at least, and it was a two-parter, so it's almost like a mini-movie in and of itself. So it's like, okay, that I can buy because it's like, okay... Haruto's like, oh, okay, well, I, I must not know this guy, but I'm sure he'll be important later. Whereas Ghost yeah. shows up and like, hi, I'm Kamen Rider Ghost. I'm going to be here in a couple of weeks. It's like, yeah, okay, can we get back to the story now? Thanks, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and that, that was the thing about Ghost. His, like, his, like, little cameo and stuff really broke up the story that I was enjoying. I'm like, get the fuck out of yeah. here, dude. <laughs> right, and, and, and honestly... And again, I'm not. I'm only speaking for myself. I tried to watch Ghost. Uh, it wasn't for me. So I'm waiting for the next one with that. So it that that in retrospect, it makes it doubly annoying because Drive. Uh, I, I did not like Drive as much as I like say Wizard right out of the gate, but it grew on me to the point that I was really, really, really enjoying it by the end. Just to have Ghost kind of pop up, and it's like, oh, go away, go away. Yeah. <laughs> no one I, likes I, I, you. I, 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 I think for me, this is this is a special sort of event because 
Drive is the first Kamen Rider series I watched from beginning to oh. end before I saw this movie. And and by this point in time, obviously, I've seen all of Gaim. So this is actually the first Heisei team-up movie that I've actually seen both sides to completion. You know, like, yeah. it, it's not... Like, a lot of them, mostly, it's been like, oh, I know a little bit about these guys, and I know about, you know, a, a smidgen about these guys, and now I'm going to watch a team-up movie. Well, this is this is more like, I know everything about these guys, and I know everything about these guys, and this is going to be fun. <laughs> you know, like, so, so I was kind of excited about that. When we left, um, hey, I was but a student. Now I am the master. O- only of evil. <laughs> Yeah, that is true. They, they, this is more of a kind of a special thing because, yeah, you don't really have Gaim and Drive interacting a lot. It was like Drive called, you know, Coda one day and he was like, hey, buddy, can I do my cameo? And he's like, dude, I got catered this week. I'm sorry. I don't, I'll try to squeeze you in sometime. But so we, we go to the dirty city and the criminal world. There are things that happen that make you drive a really cool red car that talks to you with a belt. These are the stories. Dong, dong. This is Common Rider Drive. And this is pretty much kind of an introduction to a lot of people. And this one is called Common Rider Drive, The Challenge from Lupin. I was going to ask you, Derek, just from the, the title and the, the character's name, you're a big fan of Lupin the Third. Like, what do you think of this character being called Lupin? Well, I mean, the Japanese have some kind of obscene fascination with the fictional character Arsene Lupin. So... Lupin the Third is also kind of he, he's inspired by Arsene Lupin as well, so that's like a French fictional character. You know, it was like you know basically he he was written maybe around the same time frame as like when Conan Doyle wrote Sherlock Holmes, right? So so it, it's like he's he's in the early 1900s maybe or something like that. So like it, it just seems like that's a fictional character that. I'm just assuming that the the Japanese must have some kind of fascination with, you know, he was a master thief, you know? So it's like in, in the case of both these characters, like the, obviously in this piece, it's the, the phantom thief ultimate Lupin, you know, like, like it's the kind of the same idea. Like, like ironically, I, I think the Lupin in this probably looks more like, the way they describe the fictional character, you know, he's got the top hat and yeah, the, like a top the, hat. Yeah. You know, and, and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, where, where he he's more reminiscent of the actual, you know, because I, I guess the concept is if, it, you know, I guess I, I'm getting into specifics about the character already. But I mean, he, he is a Roy mute, you know, and, and he is taking on kind of like this human personification, even though he's this mechanoid life form, you know, and, and, and in that sense, he, he seems to be. Uh, bringing forth the 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 personified qualities of this you know a, a character that I would imagine the Japanese public is intimately familiar with since you've got characters like Lupin the Third as well you know that that are also based on this you know French fictional character you know I, I guess it would be the idea of if you know a, a fictional character like James Bond for the English or Superman for Americans or, or whatever you know whatever you want to point to something that basically if you say the name everybody instantly has a picture in their head of, of what that is and and I, I guess in Japan if you say Lupin like everybody's like oh yeah that that, that master thief you know like <laughs> more clever than clever you know like you, you've got these these kind of instantaneous yeah. 
you know, recognition with, with your audience. So I, I think that was the the intent at any rate. You know, yeah, it's like, like you look, say Jack our, you think of a guy with yeah, a knife. Yeah, 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 yeah. Except for he's not fictional, but but you know, like that 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 kind of thing. You know, like that. Other that than that little that little difference, yeah. yeah. Other than he's not fictional, you know, but but the, but but I mean, you you get the idea. Like uh, a master thief is going up against our main. Made of shit, in my Cheerios, Derek. Thanks. <laughs> Our, our main our main cast of characters who are basically a, a special branch of the police, you know. Police, so it's like exactly, it, it's yeah. kind of it's kind of cool, you know. Like it's yeah, it's, it well, that, that's the thing. It's because because uh, and even I mean, Drive says it later when he uh, much later in the next segment he says, "I'm just a humble civil servant." You know, Shinosuke is he's a policeman first, and being Drive and and uh, and Derek, as you said, you you've watched all Drive. Being drive is part of his as part of him being a police officer. It's not like he says, "Oh, I got to go do something else. You guys take care of this," because the crimes they investigate involve the Roid Mutes, the special crimes unit. Yeah. So yeah. he's you know he's working with. I mean, they don't know his identity for a lot of the series, but you no, know, they you know he's he's specific, directly working on the cases that he's working on as a common writer. It's almost like if you ever watched the show Grimm. If Grimm had, you know, a common Rider in it, it would be kind of like Common Rider Drive, except it's also had to be much, much sillier because Drive is a very silly show in a lot of ways, which is funny because I, I had assumed, you know, incorrectly that it being a based on a, a, you know, kind of the tropes of the Japanese police procedural, it would be kind of hard boiled and serious, and it's not. It is nowhere near serious in any respect. I, I, you know, what's funny is like that. That could conceivably, like for some people, that could conceivably be a turnoff. But I, I think the comedy in this is so well done. Yeah. Like I, I love it. Like I mean, there's, there's that in the beginning. Basically, there's that that section with the chief June, the or yes. the captain. You know, and captain. and and they're yeah. saying like, look, like like you know, if if we don't catch you know, Lupin, you know, the ultimate Lupin master thief, like they're, they're going to decommission us. And there's this great comedy bit where they, they, they basically transplant all the furniture in their special division office, which is like this little basement thing that's like <laughs> in the back of the police precinct. So it's already really small and, and enclosed and everything. And they transport all this furniture, their desks and computers and equipment. They transport it to like in the middle of nowhere because it's legal to set off explosions out there for Japanese. They send them to the rock quarry where all the fights happen. Yeah, yeah, and 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 then instantly you've got the the atypical Japanese explosion that goes off in the background, you know, and it's like they're all sitting at their desks and it's like, oh, and they all <laughs> fall out of their chairs, and it's it's just like that. It's 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 hilarious. Like it's and it's, it's great comedy. Yeah, and and one of the again one of the strengths of Drive, which is not not so much seen here because this segment is fairly lighthearted for the most part. There, there's is that when towards the and and it's and again this is kind of stereotypical a little bit for tokusatsu and, and anime as well. It's lighthearted, it's fun, but when you start getting to the end game, you know, things start taking on a harder edge. As we like to say, shit starts getting real as you start yeah. getting to the end of this. And then it's like, this isn't just a silly little show anymore. There, there's some real stuff going on here, you know? It's one yeah. of those ones where you watch the finale and it's like, I'm not crying, you're crying, shut up, you know? Yeah, and 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 I think I think the strength of it comes from from the cast, like yes. because they they can sell all the comedy bits, but when when shit does have to get real, 
they they are incredibly good at delivering both you know it's not like it's not like they're just specializing in gags or they're just specializing in you know being broody and serious like they they can go back and forth you know in in my opinion fairly expertly like i think yeah. they do it very well mm-hmm. absolutely yeah just to uh, kind of backtrack real quick for you because i know it's fun to talk about drive it is it's actually a really good show i hated it the first few episodes that i watched and then i just got balls deep into it. It was it's a really fun show. This is Tokyo, once a city of six million people. What has happened here was caused by a force which up until a few days ago was entirely beyond the scope of man's imagination. Tokyo, a smoldering memorial to the unknown, an unknown which at this very moment still prevails and could at any time lash out with its terrible destruction anywhere else in the world. Hi folks, Luke Giaconetti here. I'd like to ask you a few questions. Do you like giant monsters? Or as they're called in Japan, Daikaiju? Monsters like Godzilla, Rodan, Gamera, King Ghidorah, or Mothra? Do you like more obscure monsters, such as Gappa or Yangari? Do you like giant heroes like Ultraman, or super robots like the Shogun Warriors? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then I think you might like my podcast, Earth Destruction Directive. I'm a dedicated fan of all things Daikaiju, and I'd like to share that with all of you. Please check out Earth Destruction Directive at twotruefreaks.com. Earth Destruction Directive, where we turn your Daikaiju dreams into city-smashing reality. But yeah, uh, Shinosuke is our, our common writer for the series. And he's got a partner, Kiriko. I always going to ask you, Derek, with your love of mind, did Kiriko maybe take her place? She's she's kind of cute. Kiriko is, is great. Like she's awesome. Like that, but that that's part of the reason why I think I I know we we've we've briefly touched on this, but that's part of the reason why I wasn't like so keen on Ghost either because I'm like, where where is my Mai and Kiriko on that show? Like where where's stuff that I can like latch onto and like I I think. Like, and you know what's nice about that is, like, like Shinosuke and Kiriko, like, they have this great kind of, I, I don't want to exaggerate it, but it's this kind of great little, you know, Sam and Diane kind of relationship, you know, oh, just totally. kind of, you know, they're, 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 will they, won't they, and, and, and this kind of, you know, a playful kind of thing, but also this kind of, you know, you know, obviously they, they get mad at each other and, and, and have these kind of, you know, raging fights, even though it's, you know, usually comedic, you know, but, but it's like the, I, I think all that interplay is, is pretty awesome too, you know? And, 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 and like you said, Tony, it doesn't hurt that she's easy on the eyes, you know, like mm-hmm. she's, she's obviously like a beautiful lady, but she can, she can play the, the, the straight laced, like she, she's a very, she's basically like a, a straight laced kind of very strict cop. You know, she's got her hair up in the bun, you know, yeah. it's all regulation. Like everything's got to be by the book, you know, like that kind of thing. You know, the whole gag of this movie is, you know, Shinosuke knows her well enough to know like that she doesn't often smile, you know, and that's going to play a, a big part in the resolution of this. But, you know, just just for a frame of reference, you know, she's she's kind of straight laced and by the book. And it, it it's not like you're going to be joking with her that much. Yeah. And Shinosuke is kind of a daydreamer and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, they, they definitely have like they, they butt heads, but you can tell they're friends, you know. But yeah, to catch up with the plot real quick, the, the ultimate Lupin is indeed a roid mute. Roid mutes are these robots that were created by the scientist named Krim. He's Mr. Belt. Let's just let's, let's go ahead and put our cards on the table. Mr. Belt is Shinosuke's driver as well as his partner. 
He's got like two partners. Well, I wouldn't even say Mr. Bell's a partner. He's more like a mentor. He tries to get Shinosuke to be the best he can be. And not only is his name Lupin or Roidmude, but he's known as ZZZ. And, you know, he, you know, he reveals who he is. He came to life or activated, I guess you would say when the old master criminal known as Zoruku Tojo passed away. With this going on, we get my favorite character in Common Rider Drive, Chaser! And this one, he is Machine Chaser. <laughs> Machine Chaser! <laughs> yeah, I, I love Chaser. I know some people are torn about him, especially the early ones. He is a badass. And it's kind of funny because even though he is a bad guy, Pretty much. He, he works with the other Roid Mutes. We were talking about them earlier, Heart and Brain, before we did the podcast. And he drives up. And the thing about Heart is, is he picks and chooses which Roid Mutes he thinks deserve to live. Because he sees some of them as unfit. You know, he, like, he, he's kind of like Magneto. He, like, he wants Roid Mutes to be the ultimate, you know, life form on the planet. And if you don't fit with his ideology, even if you are a Roid Mute, you have to be, you have to be destroyed. So Chaser arrives, and it seems like they're working on the same thing, but Chaser is still a bad guy. So. Well, the, and, the, and the thing about the, the Roid Mutes is, is, like you said, just, just to give some context, because you guys have talked a lot about Gaim, but not so much about Drive, is that the Roid Mutes, like you say, they're artificial life forms. And what we eventually find out is that they are they, they have the ability to evolve beyond what they are. So when, when we saw Mitchie fighting the Roid Mute bodies in the last segment, that's just a basic roid mute. And each individual, that's just yeah. a, ra- a roid mute body without what's called a core. And when they have a core, they have a number. And there's only 108 of them. So they're a, they're a finite species. You know, they're limited by their nature. So that's why Hart, that's why his goal is to make them the dominant life form because there's so few of them, you know, and they, they face a lot of challenges. And, and, as you, and like you were saying, Tony, they, what, he, what they use Machine Chaser for, and in this film, they call him Reaper, because that's what he was known as, was the Grim Reaper. He was, if, if, the, if there was a, a Roid Mute that was evolving in a way that wasn't going to help the race, they would basically reset him. They would say, okay, we're going to start, we're going to try you off again. So the Reaper is going to take you out, and we'll try another path for you and see if that helps us out. So it, it gives Hart this kind of calculating aspect to him that when we really learn about him, is very kind of out of character for him in a lot of ways because Hart yeah, is, yeah. you know, his, his name is a giveaway. And, and I don't know, do you guys want to, want to spoil anything from Drive here? or I, I think it's fine. Well, the way that they evolve is that each Roid Mute is kind of pre, you know, predetermined to have one emotion. If they can experience that one emotion really, really strongly, they can evolve into a higher level. And Hart's emotion is joy. So you've got this big, scary, super powerful bad guy monster, and his emotion that he identifies with is joy. He loves he all of his fellow roid mutes. Well, he but he loves all of his fellow roid mutes. He's legitimately sad later on in the series when roid mutes are killed, to the point that you know a later character named Nurse has to cheer him up because he's so d- down over it that he really loves his people. He's he he's not just fighting to kill the humans. He's fighting for his own race's survival. So that and yeah. and so this this kind of comes in, I think, later on in the in the last segment. But you know, the the Roid Mutes are very sympathetic in a lot of ways, and Hart especially so. And Derek, you were saying that you know a lot of the strength of Drive comes from the strength of the cast. Hart is my favorite character from Drive. He has some of the the best moments, emotional moments in the series, and he goes on a great kind of journey to the to from the beginning of the series to the very end. 
when Hart is basically the last of his kind. And, and you know, it, and yeah. he has to accept that and deal with the fact that, that everything he fought for is gone. And that he fought so hard against everyone for the, for the survival of his people, and he failed. And what, what does that mean for him, you know? And yeah. can he find a place? So it's, it, it, like I said, it, it's the, 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 the silliness gets balanced by the seriousness, and it, it really makes, it gives you, right in the feels, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think that, that, you know, Hart's ultimate, you know, end of his arc, I think that's what you were kind of referring to as like, you know, the shut up, I'm not crying, like, yeah. you know, go away, you know, like, leave me alone, <laughs> or whatever. But, but yeah, you, you, you definitely, like, I mean, he, I, I, I I'm kind of secret brothers with you on that. I mean, I think Hart is a, is a fantastic character. I mean, obviously he doesn't, he, he doesn't get too much kind of like Takatora is also another great character in Gaim. And in a lot of the movies, usually he didn't get as much of an opportunity to be uh, viewed as a three dimensional character. You know, it's similar in this when you're introduced to the, you know, whether it's brain or even, you know, the Grim Reaper chaser or, or heart, like they're not exactly two dimensional in this, you know, like, like it, it's, it's, you know, obviously you watch the series and you get a, a grander appreciation for those characters. And in this, they're just kind of glorified cameos, you know, right. and the main focus is on, you know, kind of setting up the actual premise of Drive, you know, because they talk about the the slowdown, you know, the the shift change or whatever, and, and how shift. basically, yeah. yeah, the density shift where where everything basically slows down. And, and that's, that's, that's basically a rule you need to set up if people don't know about it, because, the, you know, the, and, and they go into that where, you know, they had the night where that first started and, and what it means. Everything slows down except for Roid Muse. Roid Muse can operate fine in the density shift. Right. And, and, Roy, and then, Roy of Muse course, drive. Drive and drive, you, you know, as long, as long as you're wearing the belt, you know, as long as you're wearing belt on, you know, like you're, you're good to go. But, but otherwise, yeah, everybody else kind of, you know, slows down to a crawl during a, a density shift. I think that's why I also compared it to Magneto because Magneto is also a character that does horrible things, but he's also sympathetic in a way, you know, he right. does some bad things, but he's also, there's that part of Magneto that like one of our fellow fan holes, Justin, Magneto is his favorite X-Men. He doesn't care if he's a villain or, or a, a good guy. He just loves Magneto. And I think that's what Hart has. He has that, that likable quality that you're sympathetic to him. And he's also a, just a fun character. Yeah. I, I think the parallel with the whole X-Men mutant thing is apt too, especially if you focus on the whole, when, when basically post House of M where, you know, it was like the 198 and there was supposedly only 198 mutants left on the planet, yeah. you know, and, and you think about the finite number of Roy mutes too. It's, it's, it's very similar, you know, that, that there were only so many of them left. And, and the idea was they were going to all try to evolve and advance and, and become better than they were. But, you know, like Luke was saying, like a lot of them just start out as these blank slates and, you know, the, the, the origin of, you know, Phantom Thief Ultimate Lupin basically is that, you know, the, the Cyberoid Triple Z, you know, basically once the original Lupin, you know, the, the Tojo guy passed away, he kind of imprinted on his blank slate and, and yeah. kind of became right. the, the personification of the Master Thief. And, and if you watch Drive as a series, you know, you, you go on to see that that is, you know, somewhat of a, a repetitive theme, you know, the, in, in most cases you know they're trying to figure out well who committed this murder who who did this kind of 
thief job who you know whatever the mystery is and you know who's causing the the density shifts and and all that kind of stuff and and ultimately you you find it's usually tied to human emotions that these roy mutes have imprinted on and they're trying desperately to achieve because in some cases it can be very negative like obviously we're talking about heart and joy and that all sounds very good which is probably why we we relate to him and and we have sympathy for him but in in other cases i mean you know obviously like lupon for instance i mean i i, I guess his emotion is to to you know greed or or uh the 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 sort I, of I thrill even, the, the yeah, thrill of yeah, it's more pride than anything else, you know. Yeah, looked, yeah, like as he says prideful. that he was a master thief, but his mind, the, his body was going, but his mind was still sharp. So yeah. it's the pride at being this great thief is, I think, his emotion that he ties into this cyberoid body, which isn't, isn't even really a rude, a, a roid mude. It's like a prototype roid mude that Mister Belt had made for himself that he knew he couldn't control, and so he locked it away instead of yeah. you know destroying it or something smart like that. Yeah, he's not, he's not the typical Roy Mead where he's just a blank slate. And that actually does play into something because after Chase arrives to destroy Triple Z, he, he finds out that it's a little bit harder to do because he turns into Common Rider Lupin. And again, for the villains of this, I love Common Rider Lupin's look. He's got a top hat for his fucking helmet. Yeah. He's almost like, he reminds me of like a mix of like Kamen Rider Drive and Tuxedo Mask from Sailor Moon. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally <laughs> see that. Yeah. And Tuxedo Mask yeah. has the same thing. I mean, Tuxedo Common, or if you want to get the Japanese one, he's, he's just wearing a tuxedo with the mask and the top hat. Yeah, Kamen Rider Lupin looks fantastic. I, yeah, he's got a great look. And, and he's so, even, yeah. even his henshin with the gemstones all over the place and all that, it's like, dude, serious? <laughs> the uncle scrooge henshin yeah. yeah but yeah lupin does a good job of showing how good he is at fighting as well as thieving and here's where we get kind of the emotional moment as far as shinisuke like the this is this is where you get like the the i guess you say the cliffhanger part in the middle of this portion of the movie you know the the, the point where everything changes yeah because mr bell uh, beltosan is actually not just a belt. He, he's got a level of awareness beyond just being able to talk. He makes his, himself fly off Shinisuke to take a blast meant for Shinisuke. And yeah, he's knocked out. He, he's, he, you know, he's crispy. The, the Knight Rider thing goes off and his face thing. And Lupin is kind of gloating. And honestly, again, Derek, this is to go back to what you said about the casting. This is a fucking belt. Okay. It's a goddamn piece of plastic. Oh yeah, you you gotta give it you you gotta give it up to Shinosuke's actor because because he sells like like most people you'd sit there and you'd have to yeah. laugh because this dude is crying over a belt but like he sells the shit out of it man he's like yep. Beltosan <laughs> and, and like it's not as ridiculous as I make it sound it's 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 beautiful like I mean he he's totally committed and and there's nothing there, there's nothing I respect more than that like he is he is invested and committed and it doesn't matter that it's, it's like a he goddamn lost his actual best you know, friend yeah, yeah he lost he lost his his best friend it's like you know Obi-Wan Kenobi has just been turned into a little cloak and he's <laughs> screaming at the door you know I mean it, it's great it's 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 it and and again like just like they really sell the comedy in this sense like he he really sells the drama of it and you you get that this is you know something you know you get that this character is someone who means a great deal to him even though it's essentially a character like it, there's really no 
physical interaction with per se. Do you know what I mean? I mean, other than he's a fucking belt that he wears on his waist, but, but I mean, it's, it's, they obviously they have conversations and then all this other kind of stuff. And, and he, you know, he's great. He sells, he completely sells it. So, Mm -hmm. but that, that leads into is the, what becomes the um, kind of the, the cliffhanger in every, uh, every two episode arc of Kamen Rider Drive where, Shinsuke is faced with a dilemma. He doesn't know what to do. He starts daydreaming and thinking about it. And then something snaps in his head. And he goes, ah, my brain is in top gear. And he slides his tie up because now he's serious. He's taking his job seriously because his brain is in top gear and he's figured out the mystery. There, there's also that element that is very inspirational in it. You know, it's, it's the idea that, that you know, and I, I don't know if this is a, a regional thing or a cultural thing, but I don't really think so. I hope it's not because it, I, I think it could apply to all regions and all cultures. But just this notion that, yes, bad things can happen to you, like truly terrible things. But it's it's that moment where it's, it's like, oh, you know, Shinosuke is kind of down in the dumps. Like this, this might not all work out. Like there are some horrible things that have happened. But again, once he sort of figures it out, and his brain is in top gear, and he's ready to basically get back into the game, I, I think that's inspirational in the sense of, you know, like, you, you can't give up, you know, you can't just let life beat you down, you know what I mean? And it's it's just, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's worth a reminder. I mean, I know it's just a fun, entertaining movie or whatever, but, but just that simple notion of don't let it get you down, like, keep going, like, the, you know, you fall off your bike, you get back on it and you ride again you know like it, it's very simple but sometimes you know you, you even as adults you know you need you need a reminder of that it's okay it's okay to fall down why do we fall down we get back up you know like that it's okay so i i, I think that was to me it's that those moments for shinosuke and drive it's always you know you got the the cool music and it's always very inspirational and they they play like the cool beats and everything and and you're you're totally kind of like yeah like this things are gonna be better you know like you can't do it yeah yeah exactly (laughs) one of the interesting things about that scene though also and this also plays out a lot in drive shinosuke's belt is obviously sentient but also his devices that charge him have personality like all these like little cars they're shift cars shift cars yeah 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 they they, they all like yeah they they, they, like gather around yeah those are the shift cars like you say they're they're sentient to the point that in drive at certain points the um um, there's i remember one scene specifically justice hunter who is the police car mr belt tells rena rena is the girl with the long hair who helps develop the technology in the garage he says oh i sent justice hunter on a mission and we find him later spying on people yeah so it's like, yeah, all these guys, they've all, you know, Mad Monster and Max Flair and Mad Doctor, they've all got their own shit going on. They got, they got their own jobs. He's another guy on another job. So, <laughs> yeah, they, they got their whole own little network of like cars all over the place. <laughs> I love the shift cars. I think oh. they're great. Of all the, whether you're talking about switches or rings or lock seeds, I like the shift cars. Because I, I I do like one sixty fourth scale cars, so that's pretty neat. But I like again that they're they've got their own little kind of personalities, like Mad Doctor, for instance. Mad Doctor is the ambulance, and as his name implies, he's a doctor. But any time that Shinosuke uses him to heal himself, it hurts like hell. So it hurts yeah, him yeah. to heal yeah. it. <laughs> he's basically like a sawbones. Yeah. yeah, and everyone's like, "Thanks, Mad uh, Doctor. Good job." <laughs> 
I'm like, I'm like, I love shift cars too until they fall off my figure arts drive, and I'm like, oh my god, where oh, is yeah. it? It's so tiny. They're uh... itsy bitsy. They're tiny. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah, those aren't even one sixty four scale. They're like one blah 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 blah, blah scale. <laughs> it's like one well, they're, they're one thousand sixty yeah. four scale. Well, well you got to figure it. What what scale is? I mean, the figure arts is what like one. Um, one thirty. Maybe, seconds. maybe, maybe one. No, it's probably like one tenth, right, or one twelfth. I don't know. Okay, it, so you take, take. Let's say one twelfth. So you multiply one twelfth times one sixty fourth, and that's the scale that you get. Yeah. For the little cars on the yeah. SH figure. So what is that? Like one two hundred <laughs> something or something. <laughs> one one and seven hundred sixty eighth scale. One seven sixty eighth. Yes. <laughs> that is small. So yeah, I, I have a heart attack every time, every time that like flies off his hand, and I don't know where it's landed. What's going on? We're going to move on to something that I know Derek is really happy about because I, I believe you said many times this is your favorite character. We we do a cut scene where we're in the pit. This is what they call the uh, drive pit. This is their their base. It's basically below the special investigations unit, and we see a white armored rider kind of poking around. Gee, Derek, who could that be? I, I have no idea, but he looks <laughs> he looks very patriotic, Tony, and and I, I I find myself strongly convinced that that he's a swell individual. <laughs> I, I I would agree. I was very surprised when he popped up, because I knew about when this took place, and I knew it was before his debut, but I did not realize he made a cameo. Yeah, you know you know what's funny is because because I like we've discussed I I've seen I saw all of Drive before I actually watched this movie so it's kind of interesting to to see this and and realize like strictly speaking this is Common Rider Mock's first appearance yep. even though you don't I mean obviously it's it's the suit and the suit actor and you don't go into you know Go Kojima or whatever you know like that you don't go into the the actual you know human character but but he does make his cameos in this film and i was kind of like oh geez that's interesting because it it, it kind of works both ways i mean if you if you saw you know like i i kind of appreciated the the care and effort like if you went to see the film you were treated with a cameo first appearance of a new common writer if you never saw the film you weren't like in the dark or lost if you were watching the tv show like and i'm like wow that's that's kind of the way to do it right like you 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 pleased both both aspects you know if somebody went and saw the film then great if somebody didn't well then great you know like and and i just thought that was kind of expertly done oh yeah i agree with that i think it and they do that with other characters i want to say they actually did that with beast in one of the wizard movies where they had to make a, like a cameo and say something, but it's like, who is this guy? You know, we have no idea. So yeah, just seeing mock and, and then making him all mysterious. It's like, Ooh, mock. It's like, who is this guy? He looks, you know, and he's wearing white, but he looks like he could be a bad guy. Ooh, you know, so very, very good job yeah. on, on teasing that. I agree. Oh, and by the way, just for a little aside, before we continue with the actual story for all you assholes who are like, why is Kamen Rider drive? I had to be in a car. Kamen Riders don't drive cars. Okay, Mach has a motherfucking motorcycle, so shut your damn cake hole. I'd also like to point out that <laughs> Black RX also drove a car. And that that's part of what he makes did. him unique is that he drives a car, whereas the other riders on the show, like you say, Mach and also Machine Chaser, also drive bikes. Yeah, so, so man, my name is just geez. like, it's a car, stupid. Yeah, it's like, get get the hell over it, Okay. He, he's a policeman. Not only that, he, but Derek, 
And not only that, but Derek has the Treader on for the SH Figure Arts, and it's a fucking sweet toy, so shut up. <laughs> it is, it is. It's very sweet. It was, like, my favorite thing that year, like, that I got. So it was, I when when I made a a, a list of all, everything, like, a year in review, I was just like, dude, this is this is the number one thing I got. Like, that was the, the highlight of 2015, basically, for me, was the SH Figure Arts Treader on. I mean, it, you can you can light up the... The headlights and everything and it's it's awesome it's great yeah and the yes. and both actually both i say both of the common rider cars are available as sh figure art scale because what is it oh i forget its name his bike is called battle hopper but black rx's car is also available as sh figure art oh yeah 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 he's got yeah he's got a car as well i think i think that one's a little less expensive because it doesn't have all the it doesn't have as much like die cast and, and light up parts and stuff but yeah well it's a bit less detailed on the show too so that's appropriate isn't it called battle driver it i think it might be battle. i think a battle driver and battle hopper that that i think they i think you may be correct with that tony magno was the yeah. chopper and then what was the name of the car on mass rider for those who remember that <laughs> Oh God, jeez, yeah. <laughs> we tr- we try to forget Furbus here. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Well, you remember when we did the when we did the the Showa versus Heisei Common Rider? How much I marked out for Count Dragon showing up? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's a great suit. It's a great costume. Count Dragon, yeah. But yeah, yeah. The next day, they they get another. Well, they don't get another. They get a, a note from Lupin, who's, who's who's now kind of going like the Riddler way. He's like. I'm so fucking good. I'm going to give you a hint of what I'm going to do next because he's just that kind of guy. He also says that, like, by the way, Kiriko, totally kidnapped her, and um, you know, and been impersonating her since I, I kidnapped her. And it's like, what? You know, it's like, damn it. Shinosuke, like, even though his brain's in gear, he wants to save his partner because, like, as Derek said, you know, there's that Sam Diane romantic tension going on there. He, he likes her as a partner, but might be something a little bit underneath the surface there. Well, that, that's that's how he knew she was being impersonated because he he yeah. basically the the Kiriko that Lupin was impersonating tried to cheer him up with a smile and and he has that moment where he's like the real Kiriko would never just you know try to blow me off with a smile when we hadn't completed our job like she would only give me a smile once we had you know finished and everything was cool you know not just to cheer me up and and that's where he knew and and he's like you know basically at that point he has to reveal himself which gets a little awkward which is funny because you got the actor who plays lupon this this male japanese guy like dressed up like kiriko and you're like oh <laughs> yeah. you know like, like you're all and that bit is great because he brings everybody to the one area to the one building and says oh there's a traitor amongst us and he says the really dramatic line is like there was a traitor amongst us, and the captain's like, "Oh, I always wanted to say something dramatic like that." <laughs> yeah, the like, captain's so awesome. Cool. He's great. You know, you know, the captain reminds me yeah. of like the kind of comedic timing that that somebody like Don Knotts had on Three's Company. Like he's just he, he's he's really like all of the actors in this are great. Yeah, like when he, when he mugs for the camera, it just makes you laugh because he is a master of like those facial expressions. He is so good at that. And I, and I love he's um, always, like, he, he even says it here. He's like, oh, he wear, he's wearing an orange tie. Orange was supposed to be my lucky color today because he's always reading his fortune on his phone and seeing what it's what And gambling. And, like, his, his horoscope is and everything. Yeah. And I gambling. Love I love the captain. <laughs> he's great. Yeah, he's, he is. He's a fun character. I mean, actually, all the office pool workers are, are, are amazing. The detective, the, the, the nerdy scientist, and the, the hot scientist. 
they're they're yeah. all cool. But uh, I can't remember their names. I'm sorry. But well, uh, it's, we, it's, we get to it's, uh, well, it's, it's Gan. Gan is the is the is the detective who is stuck with uh, special crimes and ends up growing to you know enjoy doing it. And Rena is the scientist who's super hot. And Q is the nerdy guy who's obsessed with that Murmur Mansion anime to the point that he carries around the little doll with him everywhere he goes. Yeah. Yeah. And what's funny is that yeah. later on in the series, uh, Gen and Rena end up getting paired together a couple of times, and eh, they're kind of an item, kind of an item. So you know they they, they took thing. the natural they took the natural shipping uh, you know uh, tendencies of the group and and put them where they belong. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and yeah, it was very actually very organic. It seemed to to flow really well. Here, here comes my favorite part of this scene: <laughs> Lupin, you know, having Kiriko hostage. My motherfucking super friends in heaven above has a hot air balloon flying over the city. <laughs> Why the Just, hell not? I mean, a... <laughs> Golf clap for your damn silver age super villainy, sir. Uh, you 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 brought it, and it, it it is like it is literally a balloon with a platform. It's not even a hot air balloon. <laughs> It and it and it fits with the character. It's it's just so ridiculous and daring. It's like, haha! I pulled off this crime with only a hot air balloon. Ha ha! You know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just yeah. It's just classic supervillainy. But uh, Shinosuke, like you said, he's got like you know his his brain and gear. He's trying to do the best he can. Uh, he takes off in the Tridoron, jumps off a fucking like interstate highway. It's like near an overpass. And you, you kind of feel bad for a minute because he jumps and he grabs onto the platform. But also, the Tridoron just goes straight into the ocean. You're like, Tridoron, no! <laughs> that is a cool car, and you just got rid of that. Nah, but it's okay. So it's, it's, Delta like, Sun it's like, has it's like, well, it's like Freakazoid with the, the Freakmobile when he drives it into the water. And he's very calmly, casually <laughs> flipping switches and pushing buttons. And then the water's just pouring. He's like, wait a minute. This vehicle was never designed for underwater travel. That was important, and I forgot that! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's like the Predator is not a sub, but it, like I said, it's okay. Uh, Belto-san is back on the case, and the Predator does survive. You know, I don't know if you guys, I know Derek's not a fan, a huge fan of Nostalgia Critic, but Ben will live. The the dog from '94, <laughs> Predator will live. Kiriko and Predator help him out, and not only do they help him out, but Machine Chaser helps him out, which is like. You're doing some Takatora movie shit now here, sir. Well, you know, and Machine Chaser, evil. he's got kind of the, well, he's got kind of the, uh, I'm the bad boy anti-hero thing going on. And, and yeah. especially here, one thing they did around this era was they, they, they kind of brought him back into line and they reprogrammed him and made him like the common writer for the Roid Mutes. Whereas when a Roid Mute would show up and the common writer would come and come into a drive, would come and fight them. He's the one that then defends the Roid Mute. So it's like the idea that Common Rider yeah. defends humans, but Machine Chaser, he defends Roid Mutes. So it was almost like you said before, you know, he drives a motorcycle. So it was almost like this reverse angle version of it. It's like, I'm going to stop you <laughs> from stopping our guy. So, <laughs> you know, he, he would yeah, drive exactly. and do that and they'd fight. So, you know, and, and what we find out with Machine Chaser, again, full spoilers on, is that he was the prototype, not like John Cena the prototype, but like the actual machine prototype of Kamen Rider Drive. <laughs> he is Roy Bude number 000. He was the original OG Kamen Rider Drive. So he eventually goes over to the side he, of the he's angels. The one, he's the one who saves uh, Kiriko. Saves Kiriko, and, and he doesn't understand his emotions that he feels for her. And he goes over to the side of the good guys, 
and he becomes a staunch ally of the of Drive for the the from that point on in the series. So he has a, he has a cool arc also. Machine Chaser, yeah. I, again, I agree with you, Tony. There are some people that don't like him. I was never one of them. I always liked him. I think he's got a great look. He looks kind of like you guys ever see Beast Wars the second, the first Beast Wars anime. Yeah, yeah. In the second half of that. Okay, well, there you go. So, you know, in the second half of that, the Destrons all turn into cyborg beasts. So he always reminded yeah. me of, of Dirge Gun, who was the cyborg version of Waspinator, the, the Waspinator toy. Okay. But, like, he's got half his face is mechanical and half his face is not, and he's got the eye underneath the... He always looked kind of like Dirge Gun to me, so he's reminded me of Beast Wars Second with uh, all those, uh, the cyborg beast Destrons from the end of it. But, yeah, and it's, and it's again, it's a cool fight, and we get my, probably my favorite one, of Kamen Rider Drive's attacks, which is his first one, which is the speed drop rider kick, where Kiriko does a donut in Trideron to surround Kamen Rider Lupin, and he jumps in and keeps yeah. bouncing off and Rider kicking him over and over and over again. I love the speed drop. That is a great yeah. finisher. No, that was a, that was a that was a yeah. fun scene, and it was cool. You know, like it, it's always fun to see what they're gonna do for a super move, and then you know, for all those people that would be complaining about the car, well, you, you probably couldn't do that with a with a bike. You know, like it's it's it was something new and interesting to to take out the you know or, or defeat the bad guy. So I, I thought that was kind of cool. And one of my one of my yeah, few that, complaints about Drive is that. Once the new form starts showing, and we do get to see some of his other forms. We get to see Type Wild, which is an off-road form. We get to see Type Technic, which is like a technical racer form. Once we start seeing his other forms, we don't see the speed drop as a finisher very often. We either see him use one of the shift cars for a tire change, Tire Kulken, or we get to see one of the <laughs> finishers from the other forms. So, in, in a sense, enjoy speed drop when you see it, because you don't see it that often. Yeah. By the way, Luke, thank you for the John Cena thing now, because now I'm just sitting there thinking, like, you know, Kiriko's like, Shinosuke, what? Tonight, you have to face someone and fight him. Who could it be? All I know is, his name is Machine Chaser! This weekend, this Sunday, it's Super Slam! He, walk, he walks into uh, into the special crimes unit and RKO out of nowhere. But... <laughs> What's Kevin Owens doing here? Um, anyway, <laughs> he doesn't work here. You know. <laughs> oh, Derek's like, God damn it! Jan likes wrestling, and now Luke likes wrestling too. I gotta get away from wrestling. <laughs> That's Hearts music. What? What's going on? <laughs> My God! <laughs> My God, he's broken in half. My God! Stop the damn match! God, my God, in heaven, he is broken! <laughs> how do you learn how to fall off a ladder? <laughs> Jesus Christ, that man has a family! <laughs> that reminds me of, uh, I don't know if either of you guys do any miniatures gaming. A, a trick I picked up to really screw with your opponent, you just want to be a jerk, is every time that you take casualties off when you're playing Warhammer or historical minis or anything. Tark, you know, I was like, he had a family. He had a wife and three kids. You know? <laughs> it's real funny he when you're playing like biscuit. orcs. What's biscuit going to do? He had a dog. He, he was going to dental school. He was going to be a hygienist. <laughs> and then the war came. Guess little Sally's not going to get her braces now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. God damn. Told you, Tangent City. It's like Suplex City, just with more tangents and less Brock Lesnar. They 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 beat Lupin with the speed drop. Yeah, he he's not he's not actually dead. 
He's only mostly dead. Yeah, because remember, like, at the end of the game portion where all the Mega Hex clones kind of flew off? Yeah, they're, they're going everywhere, including Shinosuke City, where one of the Mega Hex copies of fuse itself with the ZZZ, Dark Triple Z, and becomes ZZZ Mega Hex. And Shinosuke's like, you know, gotta, you know, gotta chase him. That's what I do. I, I fight crime. You know, this is my responsibility. And that brings us to the ultimate battle. Movie War Full Throttle. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Jason Giaconetti. You may recognize my voice from the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. And if you don't, you should be listening. But today I need to ask you a few questions. Do you like big bugs and you cannot lie? Other robots just can't deny that when the Queen of Space walks in and puts a blast in your face that your gears get sprung? Are you deep in the bee we're sharing? Are you hooked and you can't stop staring? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then have I got a podcast for you. Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. From classics to cults and all the yummy, yummy cheese in between. Look for my new show, Bots, Bugs, and Babes, on the Two True Freaks Network and on iTunes. That's Bots, Bugs, and Babes, the B-Movie Podcast. Double J on the Triple B is your hookup. Holler if you hear me. Wow, it's it's crazy how quick this portion goes, but it's, it's it's all good fighting. It's also it's also the shortest segment, which and it and it's it's all just it's either it's either jokes or combat. That's pretty much all that exists in this segment. Yeah, that's 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 all you're getting right now. We have Gaim and we have Koda, you know, we have Michi and we have Takatora fighting artificially created invests. These are not our invests. These are the Mega Hexes invests and Roy needs. And yep. like you said, Luke, earlier when we saw the Roy music, like, who are they? And now we're like, oh, okay, now we know who they are, you know? Mm-hmm. And Drive comes up to help them out. And this is going to get really bad because the Triple Z Mega Hex creates an artificial copy of Kaito, raises him up. Kaito looks at the, the, his former friends, and he's like, Hinshin. He even does his little stylish move. He stands before them as Baron. And then beats the fuck out of Triple Z. Because I'm like, yes. you go, Kaido. <laughs> yeah, again, this is this is kind of uh, just to, to call back to what I mentioned earlier about Ryoma. This is kind of a callback to the final stage as well. Because th- there's a similar moment where, you know, Baron Kaito is brought back to supposedly serve the bad guy. And ultimately what ends up happening in that stage show is he, he basically turns on you know, the bad guy that, that brought him back to supposedly fight our heroes. And here it's almost instantaneous. It's just like, Nope, I'm, I'm not actually working for you. I'm, I'm going to fight with my friends, you know? So. And, and what's funny is he says, if, if that's all you have for an ideology, I'm not impressed. And that's perfect for Kaido because what does he favor more than anything else? His ability to, to be his own man, to do what he wants and what he thinks is best. I mean, we saw this, you know, even going back to the, uh, uh, the, the the Wizard and Guy movie when they were in the alternate universe Warring States period, where he was right at home because he controlled his own destiny. If he went out and he could conquer land, he could make himself more powerful. I was wondering what the Mega Hex was thinking on this, because they have this information. They're like, uh, Kaito Kumon, he doesn't like being controlled and doesn't want to be a puppet. We should use him to be a puppet. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Not not a not a good move. So in a sense, like I said, I I was I was, you know, kind of I was very surprised when they brought him back, but then I was like, Yeah, you go, boy, when he turned on him, because it's like he's not gonna he's not gonna work for you. 
you know, if, if, if this is an accurate data of Kaido, he's not going to just give up his own, his own persona and his own, uh, you know, independence. He's going to walk his own path. And he's certainly not going to, you know, serve on another master. That's for damn sure, you know. So I thought that was a great, yeah. a great bit of just, a, just keeping in character and just really doing a good job. Plus it also swerves the audience. You know, they bring them out and we just, they just fought Ryoma and they're like, oh, they bring out Kaito. They're going to have to fight, have to fight Baron. It's like, nope, not going to happen. The other thing that I really liked yeah. from this, the beginning of this segment is we got Kota and Shinsuke who are two relatively young guys and relatively, even as space God and police officer, relatively immature. And so you put these two guys together and it is comedy gold. Hey, Luke, you got a tire stuck on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like Haruto, yeah. Derek just hit on this. Yeah, you, you got a tire stuck on you. <laughs> you know what, you know what that, remi- that reminded me of? Because I, I like listening to Action Figure Blues, and we've had Sean Vanover on a couple times, and he digs Common Rider and everything. And so usually they'll cover, like, new toys on the show and stuff like that. And, like, I remember w- the first time on the show where he's like, okay, check out the new figure art and stuff. And, and that was exactly, like, one of the other hosts' response was like, does he... Does he have a tire on him? You know, and it, it's just like, and that's that's kind of what it reminded me of because I'm like, he, he comes in, he's all, hey, dude, you you got this tire stuck on you. Yeah, you know, and he and he says, you Red Warrior, will fight with us. Red because Red Warrior, I, I guess that's me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just, a, I'm that's like I said before, I'm just a humble civil servant. He's like, I'm a space god, I guess. <laughs> he's like, he's like, it's kind of complicated, but suffice it to say, I'm, he's like, he's like. Space Kami? Space Kami. <laughs> and, and, like, Gaim is not, like, you know, yeah, like I said, he's immature, too, still, even though he's, like, a space god. You know, uh, later on, we'll get to this, or we'll talk about it now, to to fight Mega Hex. Mai comes in, because they're, they're doing well. Basically, all the other guys, the, the Kur- Kurishima brothers, and even Heart and Brain come in to fight, because they're pissed off that they stole Roy Mead technology. It's a little bit of rival fusion there with the Roy Mudes fighting with them against the Mega Hex. You know, they they make their sort of cameo appearance. They're like, you know, they're they're ready to fight the good fight. You know, because obviously if the if the planet gets enveloped, it doesn't do them any good either. So they're right. actually fighting alongside them, which is kind of cool. And the Roy Mudes themselves are all about individuality. They they're much like yeah, exactly. um, you know, much like Kaito would never serve another master. They would never become part of a a, colla- a, a collective they value individual each yeah, individual yeah. roy dude follows his own path so i thought that was great it's like heart wouldn't stand for this it's like you're not going to use my technology you're not going to make us all part of your group either you know we walk our own path so i thought that was that yeah. was a good way again just to to serve getting a little cameo for for heart and brain and, and, and machine chaser to show up and kick some ass for a minute yeah it was a good scene it's like it, it gives you kind of invested in the drive universe as a whole Unfortunately, okay. a little too early in drive so that Hart can't go to the dead zone because that would have been fucking cool. <laughs> if Hart, because right. I, yeah. I, I said, wait a minute, if Hart goes dead zone, he'll, he'll fuck this shit up. But like, no, he's not going dead zone. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool armored heart. Yeah. 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 Like Mega Hex ZZZ. I keep saying ZZZ is triple Z. You can say it either way you want. He, he triple Z. Temple Zedol. <laughs> he faces off with Koda and Nosuke. And Mai comes in because they're not doing such a good job. And she's like, you know, hey, you know, that whole rival future thing seems to be popular on Dragon Ball. You guys should do it too. 
So she gives Kota a drive lock seat and she gives Shinosuke a dime shift car. And okay, I'll 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 go ahead and say my my personal feelings on the looks first cuz I'm I'm wondering what you two guys thought. Shinosuke turns into like kind of a, a weird like if you watch anime and you know about Japanese culture, it's not a goddamn sombrero. He's not Mexican. <laughs> it's like a samurai hat, okay? So he looks like uh, a common rider version of Jubei from Ninja Scroll to me, except for he's like bright orange, you know. Either yeah, yeah either Jubei from Ninja Scroll or he looks like Raiden from Fatal Real Belt Fatal Fury. You know, yeah, he looks yeah. or or if you want a wrestling reference, he looks like Jinzei Shinsaki or Hakushi. You know, he looks like a monk. Basically, is what he looks like, except he's he's bright orange. Yeah, and if you want a video I, game I reference, it, he looks I like Yojimbo it, from Final Fantasy Nine. Out ten. There you go. Well, yeah, and and but 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 it's even to the point that he's like, oh, how Japanese? Because there's not a lot of overtly Japanese cultural elements in Drive. You know, Drive is mainly a a kind of lighthearted police procedural. So there, there's elements yeah. of like the in the Japanese police culture, but not not like the the warring states Sengoku period stuff like there is on Gaim. So him to say, oh, how very Japanese is very funny to me because he's a Japanese guy, and he, even he thinks it's a bit over the top. <laughs> So I thought that was great. <laughs> well, this is how you dress normally? Toda, he gets a, a drive form. First off, if you watch drive, it kind of looks like like a drive type speed a little bit because he's got these like exhausts in the back of his back. He doesn't have the big spoiler like the F1 racer, bud. Oh, you mean you mean formula? Formula, drive type formula, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, it's speed, been a while since I watched drive. Speed is the red form. Yeah, he, he, it's a little bit. So it's yeah. almost like a little, like a little preview of formula. We wouldn't see formula for a while because formula is not even. There's another power up form we see on drive before formula, which is dead heat. So I, I honestly, I mean, I like them because to me, the the game, the game as as the series went on, they got more and more kind of ridiculous looking, and that was kind of the motif, you know, the overtly Japanese, but just really kind of taken to the over-the-top level with the fruit. So I thought it looked great on Drive. And I thought that on Gaim, mashing up kind of the, the mechanical look of the Drive forms with the, you know, more organic look of the Gaim forms, I thought, I, thought, I thought both of them worked really well for movie forms that we're probably never going to see again except on a toy. But I thought they worked well for, for what yeah. we saw of it for the short while that we get to see them. Yeah, and, and on, the, on, the, on the sub I watched, she said, I'm a race car. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I thought it was a fun swap. I mean, if if you're talking about like levels of ridiculousness, I think I, I think for me, like I enjoyed what I saw in Gaim. I enjoyed these swaps. I, I think my limit is reached. Formula is like that blue one where he's wearing like a TV yes. on his chest, right? Like that. Well, the for, that, formula is all blue, but he's he's basically wearing parts of an F1 racer all over his body. Yeah, I I think that one yeah. is the one that like lost me. Like like I love Drive, and and it was just one of those things where I accepted like, oh, this is his his you know higher powered form, and it does better things. But as far as a suit that I consider aesthetically pleasing, it gets like a big red X. But like, like it's fine. Like I, I just it, it was one of those things where like that that suit for me is the one that sort of lost me in terms of of something. Like it's like I'm not gonna run out and and buy a figure art of right formula. You know, like I just think it looks kind of funny. You know, like so. But like these, I think look 
you know, they look fine. I mean, they, they, you know, it's like they, they get the little gag out of it when like the, the Triteron rolls yes. up and they're trying to yeah. they're trying to get in. And he's like, I don't think this is going to work, man. We better switch back to our other forms. because We don't <laughs> even fit in the fucking car, you know, like, so can we can we do this? And then so. they get in, and then they get in, and Shinosuke's like, put on your seatbelt, and Koda's like, yeah, we're going to go do it. It's like, oh, right, my seatbelt. How do I do this? Because it, cause it's it's not a three-point harness. It's a five-point racing harness, and he doesn't know how to put it on. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, he's yeah. like, Kami-sama, seatbelt-o-san. You know, yeah. like, what? Like, I, I'm put on my what now? It's like, oh, all right. <laughs> okay, I think I got this. <laughs> but it's like, okay, I think I got this. Save the world. They can't, they does, one of them doesn't know how to wear a seatbelt. This is an aside, Derek. I agree with you about formula. It's it's a cool power set, but I compare it, as Faga said, compared to the two power-ups around it, which are Dead Heat, which is my favorite, and then Type Trideron, oh, formula yeah. looks ridiculous. Dead Heat yeah, looks yeah. great. I mean, Dead Heat looks great on, uh, on, on Drive. It looks even better on Mach. I mean, Mach Dead Heat is a great Kamen Rider uniform, and Trideron just looks badass. So formula just looks a little ridiculous with like the big F, the Formula One nose sticking off his chest and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a bit it's a bit much, you know. I, I always say formula is what you would do if you gave a twelve year old the <laughs> task of making a Transformers cosplay, but gave him an unlimited budget. <laughs> and he's going as Mirage. I'm a car. <laughs> yeah. I'm a car. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you're not. <laughs> Going to the costume contest. We gotta log in at three. It's at four though. Uh, okay. <laughs> Do my tires look good? My tires on my wrist, they look good. Come on, quit messing with it, guys. I gotta go to the costume contest. Leave me alone. Oh my god. Stop it. You guys are just like, jealous. Oh my god, I gotta go into the bathroom stall. Uh, guys, I'm I'm stuck. The nose the nose is stuck in the stall. I can't get out. What am I gonna do? I'm late for the I'm late for the costume contest. Oh my oh, god! Stop, stop laughing at me. Oh, this is serious, you guys. guys I don't know if you <laughs> guys. I don't know if you realize this, but if I get a double whopper meal, I could use my chest as a tray. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the chicks are gonna love me now. <laughs> Followers, I here I my... come. <laughs> I can even put my fries in the driver's seat. It looks cool. <laughs> <laughs> mirage. I, I would I would take this opportunity to apologize to any twelve year olds listening, but honestly they shouldn't be listening to this show anyway, so they got nobody to blame but themselves. Fuck yeah they do. <laughs> yeah, but what basically happens is they take out Mega Hex, well ZZZ Mega Hex, Triple Z Mega Hex, and the core still survives. It flies back up to like uh during this whole thing, we kinda skipped over this, all of us did. The, the Mega Hex is a big ship, and there's a core inside of it. And he does this kind of Final Fantasy X thing where he splits open like a flower and shoots out, you know, send spawns everywhere to take over the world. But yeah, the core of the Mega Hex is, is in this giant, you know, basically war world type construct. So the Triderron goes all Star Wars and is able to fly and turns into kind of a spaceship kind of thing. It's even got a trench scene. I mean, it's very Star Warsy. It, it is, and and then and then the Triteron kind of goes all Agents of Shield, where it's got its like you know orange tires that like floated up into space and stuff. And they when when it rolls out, they're like, okay, it's cool, guys. Like the Triteron is space worthy now. And then it <laughs> basically goes down into the 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 Death Star trench, essentially. It can't float, but it can go into space. <laughs> right. But it is a cool scene. Uh, but um, to be fair, that that mean that was that's what the type fruits 
update did for him with that the Geim shift car. So that I, I'm willing to buy that, you know. If we're willing yeah, to yeah, buy true, that, true. that the Technic shift car can turn it into a Transformer, you know, like those car-crushing robots at the Monster Truck Rally, I'm willing to buy that the yeah, Geim yeah, one can turn yeah. it into a spaceship, sort of. Yeah, so we have this cool, very CGI scene. And also, the, the probably one of the best parts of this scene, as well as very CGI, with the Tridron racing across this mega-hex construct. Like, yeah, you do have Coda and Shinosuke, like, trading barbs and jokes with each other, like, you know, trying to figure out what to do. And I thought that was brilliant. It was like, they, I would love to see a show with these two guys. They're, they're, like you said, Luke, their interplay is really good. Right, yeah, because they're, they're two guys, they're, they're very similar in mentality in a lot of ways. So they're just yelling at each other like you'd expect two young guys to yell at each other. It's like, go faster. This is as fast as it goes. <laughs> right? Leave me alone. It's <laughs> as fast as it goes right now, man. <laughs> yeah. It is like, it's so silly, but it's, it's fun. I was half expecting as they're flying through space. Part of me, in the back of my mind, I had this little niggle. It's like, what if Forza <laughs> came like blasting in right now? Like, hey, guys. All <laughs> oh, right. You know? <laughs> I help my friends. They're not your <laughs> like, friends. Okay, and, you are today. It, it's like, if, that, if Forza Blast in, it's like, all right, greatest movie <laughs> ever, check. All right, good. <laughs> I don't need to watch anything else. I'm good. Yeah, it's like, all movies from now on will not compare to this. <laughs> our, our heroes do go to the middle of the Mega Hex Complex, and they finally destroy the core. And we do have a little bit of a bittersweet moment, because on planet Earth, all the Mega Hex clones start to depower and, you know, pretty much Phantom Menace, you know, battle droid. You know, Sadly, we do see Baron fall. He, it, it's, it's a very subtle scene because he just, he, he takes a knee basically and he's smoking. But yeah. this version of Kaido is gone. Yeah. Well, so, you know, he, sad, he, sad. he, yeah, hey, you know, he, 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 he went out doing, he went out doing what Kaido would have done, fighting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's sad, but it, it, I mean, I think, Kaido's appearance to me is something I've, I've, I've said to Derek before. It's fan service done right. They didn't have to have Kaido. He could have not been in this movie, but him being in there, him having a badass moment, him have, taking a bow out, I'm cool with that. I'm not mad about him like having to go away because he is dead. I mean, it's just a robot. I mean, not to sound mean, but he's a robot. <laughs> we have our, our, our kind of a wrap up after this. Koda and I are, you know, back on Earth and they're like, you know, you know, use the baller power, except for all the power we have, so we got to go back home. <laughs> so. yeah. I, I thought that was kind of nice because they actually, they, unlike the series where they just sort of were sort of, you know, it was like a rush flight to, you know, Planet Overlord or whatever, you know, like in this case, like they actually give them the moment, you know, like because even, even Takatora has the line where he says, you guys have at least enough time to say goodbye, you know, and then, and, and, and it's this kind of nice moment where they sort of convert back from, from your favorite look, you know, into, into just kind of the, it's like Coda goes from the, the wearing a carburetor <laughs> on his chest look to, to going back to the Marty McFly look, you know, and, and, and kind of just powers down and, and they, you know, conceivably they get to have a nice picnic with their buddies before they, they, you know, leave the planet, you know, and, and it, I, I think I think that's something that that maybe if you saw the original series as much as they gave that its own width and breadth to 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 live and and have its own ending I think that was something that maybe you you would have wanted you know like you you kind of get an additional happy ending here where it's like they all get to 
sort of share a moment together as friends again. Whereas, you know, it, given the events of the series as it ended when they first went to the planet, not everybody was exactly redeemed or friends or, you know, that, that kind of thing. Like, they were still all too war-torn to have a moment like that that would have felt earned. But in this case, they they do get to come together and kind of have that, you know... Yeah you know the a reunion picnic or whatever you want to call it you know but just the the idea that it it doesn't it doesn't seem yeah yeah it doesn't seem off kilter or anything like that yeah yeah the charming guys yeah the curse team is yeah yeah it is a, it's a very sweet ending like, like luke said and like we said in the in the finale of the series the the show ends okay maybe not perfectly but it has an ending it has a, a specific this is done you know coda is on this planet he's not going to have that many more adventures so to bring him back for this adventure, they had to give him reason, and it, it's basically to boost up drive. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, sorry, listeners, I'm not trying to be, sound jaded, but the point of these movies is to pass the torch. That's the whole point of these movies, is to take the established character that people like, which people really like Gaim. A lot of people love Gaim, and they wanted to make drive, you know, something good. So they wanted to make drive look as good as possible, with still having people be like, oh, that's my Gaim that I love. So this ending, yeah, did not bother me at all. And with that, we still have drive to finish, so we can't end the story totally. So, Shinosuke finds a bat viral core that contains Lupin's memories, and he says he'll meet them again. I don't think yep. they ever meet again. <laughs> well, they kind of do. do. They meet again in yeah. a in a DVD. In, there's a one of the DVD special special missions. Yeah, it's it's that. It's that it's you know you know what we watched for Gaim like that hyper battle isn't isn't that where they meet again Luke in the the hyper battle they it's something like that because it, there's there's I want to say there's four or five of these special missions R- right uh, it's which were kind of yeah, like, uh, like direct that, release right? DVDs oh drive mission yeah yeah and there's and there's one of them that that does feature the return of Lupin so he does he does show up again. Uh-oh. Yeah, I think I think I actually like to speak to the order in which I watch these. Like, I did watch all of Drive before I watched this movie, and when I say all of Drive, I watched those too. So, watching that, I was like super confused when I first saw right. that special because I was like, "Wait, what? Like Lupin? Like who's Loop? What? Huh? What? You know?" And like yeah. seeing this, that it made that special make a lot more sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that threw me, because I, I like Drive, but unlike Gaim, I haven't watched all of the, I guess you would say, the uh, peripheral viewing that you would get with the full story. So I did not know that. So that, that's cool that you helped me on that, Luke and Derek. I have not seen that. So Lupin does come back. As far as a, a full movie, I guess as the host, I'll go first, and I will gladly let you and uh, Derek chime in, uh, Luke, as far as your uh, feelings. This is a good movie. It really is. I like the action. I, I feel some of the battles were some of the best ones in Common Rider in a long time. Uh, and I think it's because of how Gaim does the sword play. It's very, like, you know, like you said, Luke, it's a samurai Goku period where sword play is a big thing. These battles seem very visceral and real. There's no blood, there's no guts, but you don't need that. You just need a good fight. And also, Gaim has such a strong character base, and Drive has such a strong character base that even like the tertiary characters not working off each other. Just driving Gaim working off each other is so fun. And then when you add stuff like the, you know, the Roy Mude contingent with heart and brain and machine chaser, along with the Kurashima brothers and, you know, all these like aspects where all these actors are really solid in what they do, you know, Kaido and stuff like that. 
it just makes a really fun watching experience. And even Mega Hex, the best thing about Mega Hex is he does have that board quality. Every time he gets beaten, you're like, all right, we kicked his, oh, fuck, he's back again. But in the best possible way, you want to see this guy get his ass kicked. It's like that that frustration of the bad guy always winning, that when they do finally beat him, you're like, damn right, you beat the motherfucker. So I I, I thought this movie was great. I, I, I loved it. It got me into Drive. I mean, I was I was turning off on Drive. I watched this movie, and I'm like, maybe Drive isn't so bad. And then I started watching it, and I'm like, and now I, I think Drive is a really good series. Yeah, again, just just taking it as a just a movie. I thought this was tremendously entertaining. I really liked that it did a it did, I think it did a good job by both series. It did a good job by Gaim and by Drive. I think that yes, it's obviously here to promote Drive, but at the same time, Gaim is kind of the story driver for this movie. You know, the the ultimately the story in the Drive portion with Lupin is kind of Drive exclusive, whereas the stuff with Gaim is what draws Drive into the larger the larger world, so to speak. So Gaim, even though he's presented as this guy who's, you know, he's already saved the world, now he's back to save it again. And Drive is getting drawn into that. So I thought that was really good. The fights were really good. I thought the fan services in general did really well, like I said, bringing back Kaido and all that. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the heck out of it. I really dug this. I thought this was a, a real fun mashup. And this is one, uh, as I said with uh, some of the other ones that we watched, and this had a much better ending than the Showa versus Heisei. So it didn't leave that kind of bad taste in your mouth with the poor ending at the end. This one had a, a much yeah. better ending, a more satisfying ending. It's just one to, you know, get some friends and a case of your favorite beverage and turn it on and have a blast. Yeah, I, I, I agree with both you guys. I, I can't remember if we ever did pineapples on these these movie shows or whatever, but I, I would be hard-pressed to find a reason to slice off any pineapples on this do you know what i mean like i would probably give it five out of five but i i feel like i'm uh, i feel a little biased in the sense that like th this is like i said for me this was kind of uh, an epic new experience you know like I, I i feel like oh this is this is finally one of these team up films where you know i feel like i i know both I, I know both sides of the equation. I'm invested in both characters. I mean, the, the only thing I would say for it is the way they design these films by tradition. I think I've seen this movie three times now. And every time I watch it, I since I'm watching it at home and I'm not in a theater, like I always use the break after the first 34 minutes as an opportunity to take a break. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's not a reflection on the other two parts. It's just a reflection on that the other part was so, you know, that first part is so breakneck and action paced that you, you, you feel like, oh, wow, like that, I've been through some serious shit here. Let me just slow it down, man. <laughs> like that kind of thing. And then, and then, and then you, when you're ready to sort of re-engage, you know, you come back to drive, which is a totally different tone and theme and and you get into that because the the car chases and the the you know try to run like flipping around and spinning and and transforming and doing all this cool stuff and shinosuke saving people's lives on the road and going after lupon and and getting into top gear and figuring out stuff you know detective wise and having inspirational speeches and stuff you know like that you can all get into as well and then and then when you sort of combine them i mean the the only the only damning criticism i could think of of, and this is just somebody like nitpicking a movie to death and thinking way too much about it. But, uh, you know, being that this is the third time I've seen it, I did have that weird moment of they 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 converge the stories pretty well. But it's like 
this time around, I did have the thought of, man, he was really into that fight with Lupin Roymude if he didn't notice that gigantic fucking thing slammed down into Zawame City. Because you can clearly see it in the background of their fight. And I'm kind of like, man, you must have really been engaged in that fucking fight with him if you didn't notice this gigantic, like, <laughs> essentially, you know, whatever they call it in, uh, like, a world engine in Man of Steel, this world engine-sized apparatus like crash into your planet i mean you know like like he's got his he's got his brain 100 percent engaged to the task at hand i must say he wasn't the top gear no no it's like it's like me it's like me when i'm like reading comics or something you know it's like my mom always used to say oh oh you're 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 engaged in this you didn't even you didn't even notice what i was saying you know what i mean it's like it's like i'm sorry what what was going on i was busy reading about I... superman beating up mongol i'm sorry you know like that that kind of thing Oh, and then it pissed me off, and I told Luke this before we started pot, uh, podcasting. Rayoma's face. Other than that, I'm good. That's the only <laughs> quibble I have. And if that's the only quibble you can have with a movie, I think that's a pretty good day at the movies. Right? I agree. <laughs> oh, man. So I think I think that does kind of wrap up the giant, huge crossover with Kamen Rider Gaim X, Kamen Rider Drive, the... War movie full throttle. It's such a long title. I can't even keep track of how long it is. But basically, it's, it's a the crossover movie. I would love to thank Luke Jacanetti for coming back. If you don't know about his stuff, you should. It's really good stuff. I've been practicing this. I hope I get it right. Earth Destruction Directive on Two Very True good. Freaks Network. Yay! Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So Earth, Earth Destruction <laughs> Directive at at twotruefreaks.com, part of the Two True Freaks podcast radio network. And I'm also, that is my, uh, that is my Japanese giant monster show. That's how, uh, how I first hooked up with these excellent fan holes. I was talking about Ultraman, and we went from there. And uh, I also appear on the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, which is our horror movie podcast. And we've got some, uh, we've got some stuff in the, in the works, my brother and I and a few other guys on the network. So keep your, keep your eyes on that, and you might see me show up on some other uh, uh, some other podcasts in the near future for the network. Awesome. Cool, cool stuff. Mike, I got turned on your stuff by Derek. He said you're an excellent podcaster. I've been listening to some of your stuff. Really fun show. Definitely check it out, especially like Kaiju and stuff. I'm sure Derek will definitely drop a blurb for you in the middle of this show, which I have no problem with at all. It needs to be promoted. You probably have more views than the, uh, so I don't know why, but so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know um, what? It, a podcast, this is, this is a labor of love. You know, I say this... Uh, all the time. When, when, we're, when podcasters are doing this kind of stuff, we're doing it because it's material that we love and we want to talk about. We take time out of our lives and our families and, and, and all that to talk about these things because they're important and they deserve to be talked about and they're things that we care about. And, you know, Common uh, Rider may not have, uh, you know, as much giant monsters as the stuff I normally talk about on Earth Destruction Directive, but this is stuff that I really enjoy. And you guys giving me the opportunity to talk about Common Rider you know, multiple times with you guys, I really appreciate it. And I really enjoy being on fan holes because you guys are, you know, my favorite tokusatsu show is Toku Thursdays just because you guys talk about the stuff I want to hear about, you know, and, uh, and, and you're not, uh, you get some of these shows where it's, you know, these guys that don't appreciate the fact that, uh, you know, they, they get their tokusatsu for free subtitled a little less than a week after it airs and they're complaining about it. You know, Derek and I have talked about this before. Where it's like, I want in my day, we watched it in raw Japanese a year after it came out, and we liked it. We loved it, you know. So 
us grumpy old men got to <laughs> stick together in some capacity, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I, I appreciate that a whole lot, Luke. Like, thanks. I, I, I think that's great. I mean, you know, part, part of me thinking about you know what you're talking about too is i mean you know obviously there's also you know all the the you know i mean in the sense of guy like obviously there's no you know quote unquote legal outlet to to watch it on or anything like that but you know as far as like kikaida and all these shows that we've talked about it's like i i support you know generation kikaida and all that kind of stuff so the people complaining about free fan subs can right. you know shove it up their ass you know <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't really care about that but but you know it, it, it's always yeah. well, like what you're saying in terms yeah. of a positive slant i mean it's always fun to to discuss stuff that you you enjoy and you're passionate about and then you know it's great that we we get to make new friends because of it you know so it's like i'm 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 i count myself as as lucky and, and pleased to count you as one of my podcasting friends so i appreciate you doing the show and and it's always it's always fun to have you on and you always bring a great deal of, of knowledge to the table and, and, and you, you often, you know, can, can school the most savvy of uh, tokusatsu fans. So, so it's always awesome to have you on a show. Uh, thank you very hey, much for having me on guys. Hey, he, he schooled me on wrestling and I'm usually the wrestling guy. So, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is a, this has been very fun. Toku Thursdays is still going on strong. We're going to try to find some new stuff to do. Maybe Luke Jackney will be back if we can find something he's interested in. I would love for him to come back. We have some more special guests coming on our next uh, episode. Just to give you a little bit of a tease, Derek, why don't you tell them what's probably going to be the last guy in episode we're ever going to do unless they make something else. Well, our, our big game plan, the, the last thing that we know of that's a, a full-length Gaim feature is going to be another one of those specials, which is another Gaim Gaiden, and they made a, a sequel. You, you'll know that if you've been listening to the show, we did cover the first Gaim Gaiden with the, the spin-off characters and everything, so there is a Gaim Gaiden 2, and that's what our our plans are in terms of coverage of Gaim. So hopefully the next time you listen to this show, you'll be hearing Tony and myself and a special guest discussing Gaim Gaiden 2. So look forward to that, guys. Yeah, and I'm not going to spoil it because I want it to be a surprise as well. We thank you for listening to us all the time. We love the support you get. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have a great Instagram. We have Tumblr. We, ha we are on Stitcher Radio. Listen to us on there. We are on iTunes. It's free iTunes for free. Come on, guys. You don't have to pay for it. I mean, you know, if you want, I mean, we if have you a five. A, <laughs> I say, if you want to be a good fan holes listener, go to iTunes and leave a five star review because that helps more people find the show on iTunes when you leave a review. That's that's what I hear. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I would love that. I would love a five star review, especially for that five hour uh, marathon we did on Gaim. Let's work into that one, motherfuckers. <laughs> But yes, we do appreciate all the comments. We appreciate all the feedback. We appreciate everybody who listens to us. We appreciate all the support. We appreciate guys like Luke coming in and doing the show with us and having fun. And that's what Fan Holes is. We might get a little bit grumpy sometimes. We might, you know, bitch and complain. But it's all in good fun. It's never with any kind of anger. And when we find something we really like that's enjoyable, damn, it's just good to talk about friends, about some guys in spandex suits fighting monsters. I mean, what else could you want in life? So that's what Toku Thursdays is, and there will be more of them coming up soon. So thank you for listening. I'll go ahead and sign off and let these two guys sign off. This is Tony. Thanks for listening. This is Derek, Derek WC, signing off. This is Luke Giaconetti, and I'm going to say, keep them stomping.
Eric is like Oracle in the middle of like a basement with like 17 computers around him, like planning how to like release panels. <laughs> um, yeah, before we move on, Luke, uh, you like 164 skills cars? One day I should talk to you about my Batmobile collection. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> I bore the fan holes regularly with that. Did you did you get to see Orbital? Have you checked that out yet? Or no, because uh, I only have a I, I have a non paid to Crunchyroll, so I got oh, okay. the first okay. episode is up, but it's only for paid members, so I got to wait for next week. I'm I'm super excited for it because I I enjoyed X quite a bit as kind of a uh, a throwback series with you know the the Science Patrol and you know the guy yeah, yeah. The team is the member and all the new monsters and stuff. So I'm very much looking forward to Orb. I'm I'm kind of I I I think I've I watched up to like episode seven of X and then I sort of lost track of it not because I didn't like it just because you know I got busy and distracted by other things and stuff. Oh yeah, but I, that, you that's know, how he, I am he, with Juoga. I got I'm, I'm through episode three. I'm like I'm never catching up on Juoga. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I I think there's there's a lot of stuff out there like that for me, but um but I did check out the first episode of Orb and you know non spoilery, but just I, I I thought it was fun. You know, like I, I enjoyed it. So, I mean, that's that that's all I guess you can ask for. You know. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, I know. Especially from an Ultraman show, if it if it entertains me, that's all I'm looking for. If it's above yeah. and beyond that, you know, that that's just great. Even, even better. Yeah. 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 I'm a Roy Mude. I can't help it. Yeah, you're 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 an evil Roy Mude. You don't your Skype doesn't work right. So you'd think the Roy Mude being, being an artificial being, their Skype would work really well. Yeah, well, but you'd be incorrect. You, know, you, also like, think, you also think the Roy Mude name brain would be smart, but hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> brain was smart relative to other Roy Mudes, you know. <laughs> He was smarter than Nurse or Volt, you know. <laughs> yeah, true, true. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. He looked cool. <laughs> I don't know. I, I always like Hart. Hart has the best look, both as a human and a monster. I think. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, a I'm a Hart fanboy. So yeah, it, I'll, it, I'll, it, I'll get you oh, yeah, yeah. on that. Hart is the best. It was it was a little disappointing that Hart's SH figure arts figure was really really lame. Because I would have really liked to own that, but at the same time, that saves me seventy bucks from buying it. So, what was like? Go, Derek, you're, you're about the gun. <laughs> See, like I, I haven't bought it, but like, what, like, is it just you don't like the way it looks? Did you see like reviews of it where you all the reviews, the reviews, things? the reviews I've seen of it have have largely been negative, primarily because of his design. He's very, he's one of those because he's where, like cumbersome or something. Yeah, or? he he's one of those things where it's. The uh, the joints are too stiff to really pose them right, but they're too loose to pose them right at the same time. That that you know there, there's too many joints with his design and things get in the way of each other, and you can't really do a lot with them. So I mean, you might I am, just I am, having him stand there. You might as well get the vinyl, you know. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see, I see, I see the rationalization for that. Yeah, that makes sense. The I I just kind of figured he'd probably be like, um, what's his face? Um, why can't I think of those guys' names? I'm like, I spent a bunch of money on them, and I can't remember their names. But the 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 ones from um, Go Kaiger, like where it was like Sally and Bosco, and um, and yeah. the the Prince guy or whatever. You know, mm -hmm. it's like they they also kind of had those large, you know, Tokusatsu kind of suits and stuff. And I was just kind of thinking, oh, I bet you, you know, Hard is probably you know similar to that. It's not like yeah. he's just a lanky kind of 
in shape gymnast body type right figure you know, with, with ease of articulation it's like obviously it's like bulky and cumbersome and that kind of thing but see my i bought my friend um medusa because he has wizard and he wanted to get medusa and phoenix and so i bought him medusa because i found her for like 25 dollars shipped online so i said well hey fuck i'll just buy her and send him to her send her to him and he had the same thing he's like it's not so much with her arms but her legs because of her skirt it can be hard to get her into dynamic poses without like a tamashi stage because it's hard to get her her legs spread enough as bad as that sounds to do some real dynamic poses with her because her skirt restricts her movement yeah it's like some some of those figures like they took that into account where i remember those those gokaiger figures you know it's like oh you've got the skirt that is restrictive and then you know this sounds even worse but then you've got the skirt that is not so re- you know like right. it's like it, it's it's kind of like for for more maximum you know movement <laughs> so that, that's pretty cool anyway. that, like your you, you sent your friend uh, the the gokaiger stuff but my friend Derek sent me a janky x-men colored deadpool with a backwards hand so i think i went <laughs> You win that well, one. Yep, I I um because well, I I finally got that Legends Warpath that was like a gazillion dollars and it came with um it came with a regular Deadpool so I sent that but then I also tried to get on the cheap like one of those blue costumed X Men Deadpool's and like yes. it was like a Chinese bootleg and like he had two what is it Tony two left arms like it's like it's two like left arms and like two two like. Like his feet are put on backwards, so his he's got like knock kneed ankles. <laughs> yeah, it's like he, he can't really articulate his his ankles at all, That's really. Great. So That's great. I was like, <laughs> yeah. so basically, I threw that in there with it, thinking like, so I was like, Tony, you got one cool thing coming and one really lame thing one, coming. Yeah, so. one not so cool thing coming. Yeah. Well, I, I I go with that's that's the Deadpool who gets into a fight. That's the one where he's punching Colossus. That's why his legs and stuff are all janky. You hit me so I, I hit you so hard I I got an extra left arm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, but no, yeah, he he did send me a, a Deadpool that uh, if I bought solo would cost me quite the money. So I was I was more than happy with that. Hey, that's cool. That's cool. I I, I my yeah. my buddy is he he has um, uh, SH Figure Arts uh, Green Ranger. And he wants the White Ranger, but now White Ranger's going for, um, you know, for three bills. Online. Yeah, the, you, you know what's funny is I have that White Ranger, but I don't have the Green Ranger, and that also is going for like bills now. Yeah, and I've I got, like, said, I've, oh, I've got both. I've got both of them, and I've I'm sorely tempted to just give him oh, the White Ranger. Oh, okay. Know? And because I mean, but the, but the problem is, is that. Um, you know, that was uh, Green Ranger and White Ranger were both my jam back in the day. You yeah, know, yeah, so obviously yeah, I love yeah. the Green Ranger. And then he came back and he became the boss and he was the White Ranger. So it's like, well, fuck yes. You know, so, so I'm kind of <laughs> stuck. It's like I want I want to do my friend a solid, but at the same time I want my own shit, too. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And Tommy all came back and he's like, hey, guys, I put my hair in ponytail now. I'm totally different. Yeah, I'm totally I'm <laughs> Well, you know, you know the uh, you know the uh, the season two uh, through the end or through the middle of uh, Turbo drinking game for Tommy, right? You take a drink oh, every God, time no, he says, no. "Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> oh man." Yeah, if, you, if you really want to get alcohol poisoning, you can also drink every time he goes, "It's yours, <laughs> it's yours, it's yours." 
And then, and then we can play Derek's game, which is the Dino Force drinking game, where every time somebody's like, Dr. O! And then you, like, take a shot. And then you, you go to the hospital after you finish yeah. watching, like, an episode. Well, that, that, I don't know if you ever heard my description for uh, Tommy, Luke, but every whenever I bring up Tommy, I'm like, America's favorite Native American race car driving paleontologist. Yeah, you know it. You, st- you know, you st- can't beat them. You can't beat them, join them, I always say. I mean, there's a reason right. why the new uh, co- the Power Rangers comic is entirely focused on him, you know. Yeah. The other characters no, are I- there, they have lines, but it's all about Tommy. It all, everyone, it, when, when they're not, when, they're, when he's not there, they're talking about him, it's like Poochie, you know. <laughs> it's good, but it's just funny, you know. I don't know, Billy, I'm so worried about Tommy. He said he would go have coffee with me, and then he didn't show up. I don't. I don't know why all my all my women, by the way, sound like the mom from the Family Circus. I'm just going to warn that. <laughs> oh dear, who broke my vase? You know, but <laughs> Trini, what's wrong? I don't know. I'm just so jealous of Tommy and Kimberly's relationship. <laughs> Trini's one of the few ones that actually had. She had like a cool scene where she was running like a. Basically, the, the bit is, is it takes place after, right after Tommy joins the team, right? So, you know, Jason and Zach suspect him still of being evil, and Kimberly's obviously standing up for him. And Billy and Trini are doing, like, they're running all the tests and stuff, right? And so Trini's giving him, like, the medical examination with the med scanner and stuff in the command center. And yeah. then, uh, so then, and out of nowhere, the Dragon Zord shows up, and it's attacking the command center. And so it's Trini in just the Sabretooth Tiger fighting the Dragon Zord. And then we turn the page, and it was all a hallucination in Tommy's head. So it's like, even when Trini gets a cool scene, it all comes back to Tommy. Just so everybody knows the score. <laughs> Trini wasn't really cool. Trini was cool in Tommy's imagination. I will say this. She, before Tommy showed up, she was my favorite. I always did like Trini. I always had a thing for Thuy Trang. I always liked her character. I was very... You, I, of the three you, that left, she was the only one I missed, honestly. You, you wanted her to give you a medical examination? Well, you know, maybe maybe a little bit later down the line, that thought entered my head. I, mean, I, could, I could understand being obsessed with astronomy. As long as you don't like Queen Machine. I always like Diva Talks because... Yeah. <laughs> I always like Diva Talks because she like, looked like a girl you could get. Because it was like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, she, yeah, I can see that. She's like last call at uh, you know late at uh, two for one Tuesdays at TGI Fridays. Yeah, totally. You know, Cougar yeah, on the yeah. hunt. I'm on board with you. I hear you, Tony. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I was like, I don't know, but I saw you over here, and I've got a couple of extra potato wedges here. And it's like, uh... <laughs> why don't you leave that gang of weirdos you're with and come hang out with me for a little while? It's like Elgar, take Rygog and the others and go home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a diva tox has got a date. 